Hello and welcome to Media May, the show in which we, year by year, explore the movies, music, and TV that most invaded our lives. I'm your host, Holiday Fool, Rod, and I'm joined by... Madame with a box. Yes. A.K.A. Adam Driver. A.K.A. Waterboy. What? <laughs> See, kids, look, when we test our mics, Rod always deletes the tomfoolery, so you're never going to get any background onto that. Anyway, what are we doing today? Just, that was what Jess shouted when she tested her mic that she's Adam Driver. <laughs> Everyone's favorite Jedi. <laughs> uh, but hey, welcome to Media May. Typically, we talk about movies, music, and TV year by year. But today, it's our holiday episode. One of them. Holiday 2022. Is that what year we are? Yeah. It, 2022 has felt both like the longest and shortest year of all time. We're about to hit the blip. What? 2023 is when everybody was snapped back. We're we're oh, about to uh, we're about to hit the blip. We're coming into the blip, y'all. <laughs> Maybe things will stop sucking. <laughs> things will go back to normal finally. <laughs> what is normal? <laughs> um so actually this was an episode we were planning to do last Christmas. Mm-hmm. Last Christmas we had the show planned. Wow. <laughs> um and it just, it got to, th- 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 that month was why we went to the monthly uh, release schedule. Because it bad, it, it, we were we were trying to rush in like three normal episodes, including we had a we had a holiday episode last year because we, we invited Carly on to talk about yeah. uh, Jingle All The Way. Mm-hmm. So technically we had a holiday episode last year and we were going to put another one on top. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it was too much. It was too much. Wow, it's been a year of us doing it month by month at this point. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Dang. You're right. It has felt both slow and quick. So, yep, we're 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 going to be talking about things that we watched a year ago in preparation for this show. Yeah. Yeah, but basically, so you listened to our Halloween episode uh, a month or so ago. Mhm. Uh, this is going to be very similar. We're not talking about the the well, for me, this is the Christmas special I've watched the most. That's just the, how it goes. But it also—it's also my favorite Christmas special. Right. We're talking about our favorite Christmas specials. Yeah. From television. Yeah. Is it your favorite? Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, you know, I my actual favorite is Christmas Spirit. What is that? The Hallmark movie where a ghost lives in an inn. Gross. <laughs> it's not the uh, the. The the Mary Kate Nashley Christmas movie? No, no, no. Definitely Spirit Holiday Spirit. <laughs> Christmas Spirit. I don't even know the name of it. I watched it once, it was real bad. We should watch it this this well, either way, we're not talking about movies, we're talking about TV shows. That's fair. TV specials. So it's special for me. Yeah. And this actually would have like been a nice tie in for our nineteen ninety six block of episodes because that was what we were doing. Yeah. Last December. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Sway goes. So we're gonna start with my favorite Christmas special. Aired December 11th, 1996 on Nickelodeon, featuring the voice talents of Torin Caudell, Francesca Marie Smith, Jamil Walker-Smith, and Bowen Coleman. Written by Steve Vicksten, directed by Jamie Mitchell. That is the Hey Arnold episode, Arnold's Christmas. You're crazy, Arnold. Really crazy. You want to go hang out with that monkey man guy. That's how crazy you are. What's so crazy about it? Mr. Wynn only wants one thing. And that's to see his daughter. I know it's a long shot, but if I could find her and bring them together, it'd be the best Christmas gift I could give Mr. Wynn. Arnold, it's the day before Christmas. There's millions of people in this city. It would take a miracle to find her. Maybe. But what better time for a miracle than Christmas? 
Isn't that what Christmas is really about? I feel like you get the whole plot there, right there. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's it. Well, thanks for joining us on Media Made today. <laughs> so, hey, Arnold. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite shows of growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a show I watched with my mom. And his wife. And, and, and my at, wife now. At a later, at a later period in yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you in 19... Whatever, whatever, like 99 when I was I watching knew this. you. No, I didn't. <laughs> That's weird. Um, basically, like, and, and the thing about, like, especially kids' networks is like they they produce a christmas special almost almost like by obligation mm-hmm. because it gives them an easy block of content that they can air during the holidays so people could go home <laughs> you know yeah. it's like we have a bunch of ready made topical content that we can air year after year after <laughs> year and and that's why we you know they aired the hey arnold christmas special from 96 to probably you know 2007 89 who yeah. who knows how long but yeah. it was on every year including the the SpongeBob Christmas special <laughs> and um, the Rugrats Christmas Hanukkah and Kwanzaa Hanukkah, specials. Yeah. <laughs> um, every Nickel- every Nicktoon had a Christmas special. It seems as like. they should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we could count on Arnold's Christmas to play every year, and it, it's a very touching, kind of serious Christmas special. Mm-hmm. They go places you wouldn't expect them to go, and it's actually pretty like I don't know. It's, it's like a feel good story. Yeah. Amongst chaos, amongst, <laughs> amongst heartbreak. Oh, but there's a happy ending. Yeah, but they go places you don't expect uh, a kid's cartoon to go. <laughs> That's true. The, yeah. the shadow of a war the from the 70s. <laughs> You're like, what is war, mom? Well, old Phil. Um, Steely Dan. Steely Dan. He, Steely, he, Phil. Well, Steely Phil. <laughs> Steely Dan's a band. <laughs> Steely Phil fought in World War II. Uh, we, yes. we, we watched, because Jess and I watched all of Hey Arnold uh, a few years ago mm-hmm. from the beginning to end. But uh, yeah, no, we. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You just don't, especially like in a, in a Christmas special when you're like, oh, kids. So it's it's great because it's not necessarily about like getting the best toy or blah, blah, blah. Well, it like, is. It's it's. You know, teaching children what's the true meaning of Christmas, like yeah. a lot of Christmas specials do. Yeah. Um, but in this one, this one, it's like, I don't know, it's even more so than other kids shows where they, you know, like, it's not about getting the best toy. It's about, you know, being with your family. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, this one's like literally about like doing your absolute best to like make a special time special for somebody else, you know, like make a dream come true, make a miracle happen. Yeah. Yeah. When did, did, what was the first time you watched this? With me? No, I definitely saw it one of the times it aired in um, some year between 1996 and 2000. That's a very short time period, but somewhere in between those times. What was your thoughts on it back then? Um, That it was sweet and that it was kind and it was like good. Yeah, it was obviously... One of the better ones, I, I think, had, uh, uh, I view it a little bit different as an adult, you know, not in a now it's bad kind of way, but I remember it being one of those like things as a kid being like, well, why, why would you be separated from your child? And then as an adult, I'm like, mm, immigration and refugees. <laughs> yep. So, you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're alluding to it, but there's a certain war that happened in the 60s and 70s. Uh, and uh, at the end of that war was a was a very chaotic time for the United States. And we had a president that was uh, doing bad things. As we often do. Uh, but was secretly, like, was doing it secretly. 
Uh, he was also taping himself for some reason, committing crimes. That's how we caught him. I mean, well. <laughs> Rick, she recorded it. I mean, sometimes you just want to have a trophy of your bad deeds. Seven. I'm not a person. I want to record myself saying racist things. Well, they weren't racist back then. They were. No, they were. Yes, they were. <laughs> I'm sorry. Getting on a diatribe about Nixon. <laughs> but uh, anyway, let's let's talk about um, how this episode was made. So, uh, oh, I guess, okay. Boilerplate description of Arnold's Christmas. Arnold, if you, have, if you haven't listened to our 1996 TV episode, you should, because we talked about the making of Hey Arnold. And we're not going to do it again, kids. And uh, like the basic, you know, status quo premise of Hey Arnold. It's about a young football-headed boy who lives in the inner city, uh, and it's just about his life. Yeah. It's very down-to-earth to, to, you know, compared to other cartoons. Yeah, down-to-earth you know. with some banana shoes. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's like an everyday, it's like a like a sitcom, but a cartoon Yeah, in a way. You know, it's just very smooth. It's about little kids growing up, you know, in the city and getting to know their neighborhood in a very intimate way. Yeah. Um, anyway, in Arnold's Christmas, because Arnold lives in a boarding house with mm-hmm. a bunch of different people uh, and... and his boarding house plays Secret Santa, mm-hmm. and Arnold is tasked with giving a present to Mr. Wynn, his Vietnamese uh, tenant, neighbor. And uh, Mr. Wynn always has, he always gets sad during Christmas, yeah. uh, as you'll learn, because it reminds him of dark times during the war. Mm-hmm. And we'll learn about that. And Arnold realizes the only way to make Christmas special for Mr. Wynn is to help him reunite with his long lost daughter. That's the that's the that's, episode. That's the episode. Yep. It's forty eight minutes long. No, no, it's a swift twenty minutes long. It's it, it's a double episode because typically Hang yeah. Arnold has two shorts, but it's it's a full twenty minute episode, and uh, they get a lot in. It's so swift you can call it Taylor. Badoomch. Laugh at the joke right now. Laugh ah! now. Thank you. Ah! Perfect, kids. <laughs> kids, please. If Twitter is not dead. Uh, 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 just tweet laughter at us, please, because <laughs> you are laughing at my joke. Thank you. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. It's <laughs> a terrible song to sing to to the to Mr. Wind. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk about how this episode was made, and then uh, we'll 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 talk about the episode in depth. As we talked about in our 1996 TV episode, Hey Arnold debuted on Nickelodeon October 1996 to strong ratings. Yeah. 17 episodes of the show aired between October 7th and December 9th, with a special Christmas-themed episode scheduled as the 18th episode to air. So they got the Christmas episode out right away. Yeah, they were like, we're going to need this. According to series creator Craig Bartlett, the episode storyline was the brainchild of writer Steve Vixton, who was known for coming up with the edgier ideas for the show. I I guess I would categorize this as edgy. Well, Bartlett was already on board. He brought the idea to Mr. Wynn's voice actor, Bowen Coleman, himself a Vietnamese refugee, during a recording session. Bartlett said, quote, he said, you know what? I was there. That made a big difference. I was like, wow, we really have to tell this story. This is going to be so resonant and so cool. And from there, I had that conviction. Hmm. So that's nice. Yeah, that's super nice. And I, I, I think like having Mr. Wynn's voice actor actually like live there and to draw from emotions yeah uh, i think gives this episode a lot of credibility yeah it resonates a lot more yeah and it because it could have just been like oh that's i mean it's interesting that hey arnold went there but like it doesn't speak to true events or emotions mm-hmm. or whatever but like no they actually had the voice actor like put himself back in those shoes you know? which yikes but <laughs> also complete side note uh 
edgier episodes. What would be considered an edgy episode? The Thanksgiving episode? where yeah, Maybe. <laughs> or the episode where uh, Curly uh, barricades himself in the Chris, in the, uh, in the oh. principal's office because he's, he's snapped. Oh, yeah. Or the episode where we have Harold steal a cat and literally SWAT is at a child's door. Or what about the episode where Arnold goes bad? He breaks bad, oh, and yeah. he like hangs out with like a like a biker adult, like a teenage biker or something. Yeah, yeah. and the and one they can, and they convince Arnold to like steal stereos. His head is in the shape of the door. Also, the one where Eugene loses all hope in his hero. <laughs> that, that's Ar that's pretty edgy for a child's show. <laughs> the abdicator. <laughs> Here's nothing. Oh my god. Yeah, there's a lot of edgy episodes. Of yep, Arnold. I'm sorry. That was my fault. Stupid question. <laughs> Uh, also, I was going to say, like, I was going to make the joke, Arnold, you're a bold show. Because <laughs> this is a bold idea yeah. to, to go with. <laughs> Getting the episode approved was a, quote, uphill battle. Boo. With the mature themes and allusions to the Vietnam War worrying network executives. Allusions? There were no allusions. They don't. They do. <laughs> they do not directly call it the Vietnam War. Okay. They never call they never mention Vietnam, even though Mr. Wynn is clearly Vietnamese, played by a Vietnamese actor. Um, and then like the we'll talk about it, like the the images, because they, they show flashbacks mm -hmm. of like, you know, Mr. Wynn's experiences, like especially trying to get out of the country at the time. Yeah. And it's like com like just one hundred percent inspired by the fall of Saigon. Yeah. I guess fine illusion. <laughs> But Whatever you got to do to get it past, what is it, P and E? S and P. S and P. S Standards, Standards and practice. practices. Yeah, yeah. But I was going to say, like, Nickelodeon, especially at this time, was, like, kind of known for being a bit looser with their creatives. Like, mm. they didn't have their creatives on a tight leash. Nice. Uh, the there, I can't remember Let's her name. I think it's, like, Gerald Geraldine something or other was, like, the big bigwig of Nickelodeon animation at the time. And she um, basically said, it's like, I want my creatives to, like, have their own creative stamp on their show. You know, that's why Classic Chupo shows look so hideous. You know, yeah. it's like, it's their style, you know. Um, SpongeBob looks, it, it's its own style. This is why women should be CEOs. <laughs> this is why women should call the shots. Do it. Like, yes, Classic Chupo is ugly, but it is also a classic. It's a Classic Chupo. It's a Classic Chupo. Mm, that feels offensive. So either way, it's like even the... Even for this network, the Vietnam idea was bold. Yeah. Created trepidation. <laughs> Once approved, Bartlett included Coleman in every step of the episode's creative process due to the sensitive nature of the material. Three thumbs up for that. Bartlett showed Coleman the first draft of the episode and talked with him through the script prior to the recording session. This is what inclusion should look like. <laughs> of the recording session where Mr. Wynn tells a story, Bartlett said, quote, that one session we had Bowen do his whole monologue about giving up my, I just remember kind of huddling down and getting smaller and shutting my eyes and listening to it. And we cried and cried. <laughs> Man, I was a wreck. It was very sad. Gonna, I would not have wanted to be in the room where that happened. I'm going to play uh, clips from that monologue soon. I'll just mute my headphones. <laughs> it's Christmas time, not crying time. I mentioned this, but while the Vietnam War was never mentioned by name, Bartlett said the team was committed to alluding to the war in a, quote, poetic way mm -hmm. through an illustrative animation sequence that was accompanied by a dramatic guitar in the background composed by Jim Lang. Okay. I think they accomplished that. Of the tone of the episode, Bartlett was inspired by A Charlie Brown Christmas, 
And in, in, in a way, like, Hey Arnold is kind of like the modern day Charlie Brown, you know, like, cause Charlie Brown as like, like Christmas carded as, as it is now, it was a lot like darker than other Christmas specials at the mm-hmm. time. Like Charlie Brown just is like just depressed kid, yeah. you know? And it, it was a very, like, uh, the guy who made Charlie Brown was a very like emotion, like emotional person, you mm-hmm. know, like very like in like, emotional depth in there, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I can see that, you know, I can see that. I can see it. Bartlett said, quote, it was really emotional and, and it was melancholy. It was about Christmas is here and I'm depressed. And that seemed really revolutionary. When I got the chance to make Hey Arnold, I wanted to do that. I was like, let's do stuff about how childhood is sad and kind of messed up. And as a child, you don't have any power. And you're just kind of trying your best. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fix things, but we make them a little better. <laughs> I mean, kids, tell me adulthood is any different, though. <laughs> <laughs> at least like I, I can I can think back and have like nostalgic memories for the magic of Christmas when I was a child. Now it's like, how am I going to scrounge up enough dollars to buy all these people presents? Right. We're not. <laughs> That's the answer. Ugh. That's all I got for Arnold's Christmas uh, the making of. So let's jump into this episode. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Jump. So we heard from. The main characters uh, in that opening clip, but let's let's meet them at the start of the episode. So we got two, the two like two best friend leads. Who are they? Arnold and Gerald. So what did you get your dad? A nice plaid tie, not too loud. That's nice. What did you get Jamie O? A tie, red and blue. That's good. What did you get Timberly? A tie with a little pink thing on it. Gerald, you can't give Timberly a tie for Christmas. She's a little four-year-old girl. What's she gonna wear a tie for? On occasion. You can't just give everybody a tie for Christmas. Why not? Because Christmas is special. It's about showing the people you're close to that you really care about. When you give somebody a present, it should be unique. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe I'll give my grandpa the tie I got for Timberly, and I get her a toy or something. Now you're getting the Christmas spirit. Let Gerald get his people tie. What if? What if Timothy? What is the sister's uh, Tim, name? Timberly. What if Timberly wants a tie? What if she wants what everybody else wants? Because let's be honest, four-year-olds don't like to feel left out. Get everybody a tie, Gerald. <laughs> I hear this clip, and uh, I can't, I can't help but when I hear Gerald talk about getting all his family's ties, <laughs> I think about a certain friend of ours who's also a listener. Uh, his name is James. <laughs> just like, this seems like something James would do. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. James, don't get us ties. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you get, you get Arnold's character there, you know, mm-hmm. Arnold, it's, for him, Christmas is more than just getting somebody something. It's about making something special. Right. Yeah. Showing that you care. Yeah. And that's, that's the, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we talked about this when we talked Hey Arnold, like at, at the, the pilot, but Arnold is like a paragon amongst children. He's a, yeah. like, for the most part, for he's a very, part. like, he's, he never really has conflict. Like only, only so often, like, does he, you know, have, have issues. Like when he breaks bad. Yes. Or when he learns karate. Or when he um, is mean to Mr. Simmons. Yeah. But, Mob mentality. But for the most part, Arnold's always the straight man who is always trying to like solve other people's problems. Yeah. You know? He's trying to, you know, set people straight. Yeah. Make them see right from wrong. Arnold's a good boy. Arnold's a good boy. As most orphans are. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, maybe he thinks that if he's nice enough to people, he can find his parents again. <laughs> he can earn it back. He can earn it back. 
Um, but, but anyway, Arnold's like, you know, uh, selflessness is uh, contrasted in this episode by another character's selfishness. Is Who's, it Oscar? No. Well, Oscar is very selfish. <laughs> Oscar Kukashka is another one of Arnold's uh, tenants. And he's and the most quoted in this house. We, we love Oscar, but he is a scumbag. <laughs> like, he's just this, like, no good, like, uh, huckster. His wife know? should leave him. Yeah, he... he, he <laughs> He mooches off everybody. He like yeah. mooches off his wife. He mooches off grandpa and grandma, or yeah. Arnold's grandma. Like he doesn't work. He's just a like a lays about, you yeah. know. And he doesn't. And I think I think I might have a clip of Kakashka when they play Secret Santa. But if I don't, I'll explain it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and it, no, no, his he is selfish. But yeah. there's another character that's more selfish in this episode. Is Who, it Helga? It is Helga no. Pataki. Helga G Pataki. Helga girl Pataki. Almost Christmas. I love the way the city's transformed by all the decorations. What do you most love about Christmas, Helga? <laughs> Are you kidding? The presents! I'm gonna make a haul this year. But Helga, Christmas is about giving and sharing. Family and friends. Holiday spirit. Oh, come off your high horse, sister. Christmas is about presents. It's about getting as much stuff as you can possibly get. It's about money and flesh. It's about shopping like a barbarian. It's about getting yours before the other guy gets his. It's about dropping hands, making lists. Christmas is about... Snowbirds. <laughs> you know where she got all this from. Big Bob the Builder. Her her father, Big Bob Beeper. <laughs> Big Bob Pataki. <laughs> like, she she is probably quoting him specifically yeah he's a bit of a Mm. also how do barbarians shop (laughs) shopping Uh, like a barbarian you know you know know trampling people on on black friday black friday black friday you see those videos like they're 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 monstrous which is why we stay in (laughs) barbaric is the right word for it when when you're smacking another shopper with your purse in order to get a TV nah, or something. Use the back of your hand. <laughs> Don't do that. That's assault. Don't quote me. In 1996, the big, like, and we talked about this when we talked to Jingle All The Way, but the big toy was Tickle Me Elmo. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure people got trampled for the Tickle Me Elmo. Ugh, let's not Google it. <laughs> but yeah, so Helga is the very materialistic American Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a material girl. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but she mentioned at the very end, the big thing she wants Snow boots. Snow boots. Nancy Spumoni snow boots. Nancy Spumoni signature snow boots. Imported leather, gold embossed, hand riveted, zigzag thread, steel toed. I gotta have them. I just gotta have them. You and every other girl in the city, Helga. The stores are practically sold out. There just aren't enough for everybody. I'll get my boots, Rhonda Lloyd. I've been dropping hints to my parents for weeks, and they better not blow it, or I'll show them some holiday spirit. Can I say I'm surprised she actually, I mean, spoiler, she gets those boots. I'm surprised she gets those boots because her parents do not listen to her speak at all. They don't care about her. I think I, we, we'll play a clip, but her mom is like surprisingly lucid during Christmas time. Mm. It's probably because she's drinking eggnog instead of like hard liquor. Oh, I want eggnog. Our eggnog just went bad. <laughs> Dang it. You know, I think um, they may have gotten it for... Um, Helga's Olga, sister Olga. and uh, accidentally named it wrong. Um, that, that You talk about her dark episodes of Hey Arnold. Oh, Whenever yeah. Olga comes to visit and you learn that Helga is mean and nasty because she's neglected by her family. Yeah, you're right. She's clearly the second <laughs> loved child. Barely. She's only second place because she has, she has to have a place. If they had a cat, she'd be third. 
you're right edgy episodes um i, I was gonna say that uh i wonder if we could like look up on etsy or youtube if anybody's made these boots because the nancy spumoni they snow are boots. very like zigzag riveted still to like there's a lot of description in those like even just hearing it yeah. people could uh-huh. they just look like santa boots honestly they're ugly um but uh one so nancy spumoni okay that's the spumoni name that yeah. uh, dino spumoni yeah. is a character in hey arnold and he's basically the frank sinatra surrogate mm-hmm. he he, he pl- like imagine if frank sinatra like was just this uh washed up crooner from the old days you know from the 40s and 50s you know that just like lost all his money it's just kind of a recluse um and arnold like befriends him a few times and like helps him like get his marriage back together and Mm -hmm. helps him reunite with his like writing partner at some point but yeah he's he's frank sinatra that's the joke nancy and then nancy spumoni is a joke on nancy sinatra yeah and her song these boots are made for walking i didn't realize that was sinatra yeah so uh Nancy Spumoni snow boots. Those snow boots, they were made for walking. And Helga wants <laughs> to walk in them. snow. And it wouldn't be Hey Arnold if we didn't get a long Helga monologue about how much she loves Arnold. <laughs> so when she's out looking at these snow boots, she yeah. sees Arnold. Yeah. And swoons. Arnold, what a goof. What a sap. What a holiday fool. How I revile his very existence. And yet, I love him. His awkward gait. His half-lidded gaze, his brave, if misguided, concern for those less fortunate. I must find the perfect gift for my beloved. Something big and flashy. Something that'll impress him and make him pine for me the way I pine for him. (laughs) What a holiday fool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She's a holiday barbarian. He's a holiday fool. Perfect match. She's uh, Francesca... Smith, is her, yeah, she's so good. She's so good, and she never loses it. Like she, she plays a, a she, she returns to play Helga in uh in the the, the Jungle movie mm-hmm. like from a few years ago, and she she just slipped right back into yeah. Helga voice. Like it's fantastic. Great. She's so she's the best part of the show. <laughs> she is though. It's really Helga show. <laughs> so that's her mission. She's gonna try and get Arnold the best thing ever because that's what Christmas means. And I don't have any clips of it, but like she goes out to like toy stores. She's like, should I get him like a model train or like a video game? You know, I mean, his, I think he already has a model train in his room. So no help. Arnold's kind of like Arnold doesn't like he just kind of like likes the things that ordinary ordinary boys like. You yeah, know? He, he doesn't seem like the kind of person who wants like the flashy new thing anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, ordinary boys like flashy things, but yeah, he's pretty low maintenance. As Pokemon wasn't out yet, yeah, <laughs> he didn't. He, did, he didn't want Pokemon cards, like the rest of us. But that's not what Helga like. Helga's like, no, no, love means more. Because that's but the she, only way her parents show love to her, and they barely show love to her. <laughs> um, does she like follow him around to try to figure out what he? Yes, like? yes. She they because uh. You'll you'll understand it. They but they both need the snow boots. I'll 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 get to that in a little mm-hmm. bit. Anyway, let's uh, let's follow Arnold home and hear about his uh, Secret Santa experience. Excuse me, he is a minor. We are not following him home. Are you trying to put me in jail, sir? <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. So that's all of us. It's time to pick your Secret Santa. Pookie, how about a little Christmas music? Mr. Wynn. So Arnold got Mr. Wynn. Um, 
everybody got grandpa. Well, you hear a little bit. So, so uh, that was Arnold's grandma and grandpa. And the grandma is a little crazy, a little kooky. And uh, she, she every every holiday episode, she's always doing the wrong one. Yeah. Like at Thanksgiving, she she celebrates Fourth uh, of July. Yeah. And just does fireworks. She's just a few months yeah. like in the future. She's living. She's living ahead of us. She's living in. Happy 4K. Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> but also, when she plays some Christmas music, she plays Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, I don't have the clip, but basically when they pull out the Secret Santa cards um, or the, the the piece of paper with the name on it, everyone got Oscar Kakashka yeah. because Oscar slipped his name into the whole bag. <laughs> and that's the joke. They're like, ah, funny. And then at the end of the episode, um, the guy who actually got Oscar, which was, I think, uh, Mr. The construction worker. Yeah, what was his name? Oof. Mr. Potts. Ah. Mr. Potts. And Mr. Potts buys Kakashka coal. <laughs> Just get some coal. And I was like, coal? Who would give me coal on Christmas? <laughs> it's what you deserve, man. Warm your home. So anyway, yeah, Arnold is struggling because he got Mr. Wynn and he doesn't know anything about Mr. Wynn. So mm -hmm. he knocks on Mr. Wynn's door just to get uh, an idea of what Mr. Wynn likes so that he can make Christmas special for him. Yeah. I've got many long clips here. Uh, they're emotional. So, you know, we're going to. We're going to try and play all these. Let me get my alcohol. This type of year always make me remember. Remember what? It was a long time ago, Arnold. A very complicated story. I'd like to hear it. Please tell me. Many years ago, I lived in another country far away. I was a young man with a family, a beautiful baby girl. I call her my. I was the luckiest man in the world. Is it already like the, the tone already <laughs> like, oh, we're, we're, this really? is serious. Flashback. Oh, no. I need a warm cocoa, please. Yeah, I was already. I'm feeling chills already. I'm like, he, he he's doing a really good job. He's doing a really good job. But there was a trouble in my country. There was a war in the north. And every day the fighting was coming closer and closer. I knew this would not be a good place for my child to grow up. I could not keep her safe, maybe not even have enough food for her to eat. So I decided we must try to get out. We must try to find a better life. Everyone was trying to get out. Everywhere there was confusion. Somehow I got through. The only way out of the city was by helicopter. There were too many people. I begged the soldier, please, please take us. Help us find a new life. But he could not. He said there was only room for one of us. So that was that that scene mentioned by Craig Bartlett where he got they got like the electric guitar kind of yeah. like playing and it's tense and you hear freaking gunshots. Is this the first Nicktoon to sh to feature gunshots? Is they're, that the question? They're fireworks. <laughs> That's how we played it off to the company. Yeah, uh, yeah I have a. Uh, Facts on this. So it is presumed that the flashback occurs during Operation Frequent Wind during the fall of Saigon at the U.S. Embassy, where many Vietnamese were hoping to escape with the U.S. forces to avoid facing the wrath of the approaching NVA and Viet Cong forces. Oof. So, yeah, that's rough. Yeah. And it's a pretty like it's really tense, like scary image too. like even in the episode, because just a bunch of like it's a crowd of people all like just crowding with this one last helicopter yeah and like the u.s soldiers are like nope can't take anymore yeah and and like yeah 
And that's a tough situation to be in too, where it's like you have to basically tell, you have to tell a a, a large group of refugees like, no, we can't take any of you. Yeah, like, we have I, room for one, and we can't pick. You know, like to be that soldier. You know, like yep, yep. everything sucks about the situation, but I I it couldn't be me. I I couldn't be me. It'd be like I'm leaving, and any one of those people who die, it is on my head. Ugh. Then I had to make the most difficult decision of my life. I knew I had to do the best thing for my. I knew if I gave my to the soldier, they would take care of her. They would find a home for her. And then, as soon as I could, I would get out of the country and find her again. As the helicopter left, the soldier called out the name of a city. This city. He said he would bring her here. <laughs> we have kid teared up already. It's heartwarming. Yeah. Mm. Or heart heartbreaking, really. Yeah, I was like, it's heartbreaking. This is not the warm part. <laughs> no, no. It's a happy ending. There's a happy ending. It's a happy ending. No, but it, it's heartbreaking hearing that. I was like, ugh. It took me 20 years until I could finally get out of the country. That's why I came to this city. I believe she is here somewhere but I have not been able to find her. Sometimes it is so difficult. I almost give up hope, but I never stop thinking about her. I will never stop trying. I would give anything to see her again, to know that she is happy. 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. Yeah. It's the U.S. immigration process for you. How long has he been in, um, in this city? I don't know. I don't know. Like... This like it, it's like deeper and sadder when you like keep thinking. It was like this is a cartoon, and whatever is on the page that they present to you is the truth. But if this was real, like the questions I have, where's the mother of that child? Well, we were at war. Yep. What does adoption look like when you just bring a child over with no papers or anything else? What does our system look like? This is a cartoon, right? But like, I try to. I'm like, all right, well, let's not let's not delve because it just gets sadder and sadder the more you like think about. Uh, people definitely probably did this. Yeah. And you know, sometimes families can reunite, and this is one of those stories. Hopefully, so I mean, spoilers. I, this is not a. This is not the same situation. But my grandpa, like literally, like he was he was orphaned. Mm -hmm. He. The story goes he was put on a train, a, a boxcar train mm -hmm. with a little sack and a name tag by his mother. That was it. And he just rode off somewhere else. Yep. <sighs> and he was adopted and all that junk. But yeah, like, you know, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. You just take a kid home, right? Like nobody's going to question you, but they should. <laughs> you know, or like it was a time. It was a time. Also, what year is this? I assume 96 a year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. False Saigon was 74. Did I put the name of that? I'm just, I, I, I don't know, but I'm assuming 74 or something. So 20 years. We in the 80s. <laughs> 75 maybe. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not like important, but yeah. It's rough. It's rough, buddy. And yeah, uh, the, the, the voice actor there. Just nails it. Yeah. Out of, the, out of the park. Ugh. <laughs> I'm tired already. <laughs>
Anyway, no, Christmas continues. Um, so Arnold, that's his quest. Mm-hmm. He's going to help Mr. Wynn reunite with his daughter, uh, and that'll be his Christmas gift. And he's going to drag his best friend in along for the ride. Yes, That's yes. what best friends are for. So th- where do they go? Well, what's the plan? They like, go to the adoption, to the local adoption It's agency? like the immigration agency, really. Ah. Yeah, it's like the, the, the city's, like, I don't know, some kind of government office. Where, it's the Ellis Island of the city. Yeah, it, it, where the, all the records are, are mm-hmm. about, you know, immigration and stuff. And they meet Mr. Bailey. Excuse me, Mr. Bailey? What are you two kids doing here? Nobody's allowed in here. Can't you see I'm busy? We're looking for a missing person named Mai Wen. We think she lives somewhere in the city. So what do you want me to do about it? Uh, we thought you could find her for us. Please? She was separated from her father by a war. He's a really good guy. He's a friend of mine. I want to bring them together for Christmas. And what a perfect Christmas present, don't you think, Mr. Bailey? Look, kid, your story has touched me deeply. But to find your my win would be a huge job. It would take hours, maybe even days. I can't do it at a time like this. My question is, why did they pull Secret Santa Christmas Eve? That yeah. that feels foolhardy. The day before Christmas Eve, yeah. <laughs> well, I assume you probably because it's like, yeah, just go out to the, the, the corner market and buy something quick. Get a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> buy a piece, buy a coal. <laughs> Get some coal from the fireplace. It's just hot, ashy coal. <laughs> anyway, that man seems really helpful. No, I mean, he's he's stressed. Having worked yeah. at, a, at a place where when you are still working on Christmas Eve and it's like the busiest time of the year. Yeah. Uh, it's a stressful time. I agree. My, my mom worked in an environment such as this, you know, when... Like Christmas Eve is not a happy time. It is yeah. a stressful, horrible time. Yeah. Uh, and every every year you're working on Christmas Eve away from your family. You you like relying on other people to buy gifts for you. It's it's not it's not easy. Yeah, it's not the best. No. So I mean, I appreciate that the the uh, Hey Arnold's going there as well. You know, mm-hmm. where it's like really confronting the uh, materialism and the, uh, the the Christian work ethic of America, yeah. if you want to use that term. Sure, I don't. Christian but... work ethic. <laughs> Eek. Work on Christmas Eve. I think it's um ah you know the 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 capitalist work yeah. ethic the, yeah like and that's also just shown a lot in Helga's view of it as well um that it's just gotta get going. <laughs> it's very it's the, the confronting capitalist Christmas. That's yeah, that's, that's what we're doing this season. Confronting Frederick Schumann. <laughs> what? Anyway, uh, so Mr. Bailey uh, provides an ultimatum, a deal for Arnold. What? You still here? I was just wondering, what if Gerald and me did your Christmas shopping for you? Huh? What? I'm going to trust you kids with my Christmas shopping? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm going to give 300 bucks to a couple of nine-year-old kids. How else are you going to get it done on time? Mister, I'd do anything to get Mr. Wynn and his daughter together. I'll do your shopping. You can trust me. I'll come back, no matter what. Okay, you got yourself a deal. I hate shopping anyway, plus I'm desperate. Be back here by closing time with the stuff on the list, and I mean all the stuff, and then I'll try running a search on your my win. Yeah, because he gets a call from his wife, and his wife's like, did you do the Christmas shopping yet? No, dear, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> um, A couple of things. One, do not give $300 to two nine-year-olds. I don't care how trustworthy they are. Don't do it. Don't do it. Two, Gerald's the real MVP. 
I have only gone Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve with one person in my life and I ended up marrying him. I I won't do it now that I am married <laughs> to him. Like what in the no, I'm going home. There's eggnog and warm food. Bye. Good luck. Look, even for a good cause, Gerald's the MVP. Cause again, it could not be me. <laughs> I'm not doing it. That's the only day I got off. Nope. Anyway, for the most part, it goes swimmingly. Yeah. Arnold and Gerald are able to get everything on the list, but one thing. What thing? Go ahead, kid. Tell us what you want. A pair of Nancy Spumoni snow boots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. What's so funny? We've been sold out of those boots for a month. But in all, in all seriousness, if you want to put your name on a waiting list, uh, I could get you a pair of by, oh, say, the 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> Fourth of July. There's got to be a pair of Nancy Spumoni snow boots out there somewhere. <laughs> I wish she would have said by April 1st. Yeah, that, that would have been a funnier joke, honestly. <laughs> but, like, legitimately, uh, this this scene, this exact scene is in Jingle All the Way. Yeah, I was going to say And that. it came out the same year. There was something in the air. People were remembering Ninja Turtles and... Tickle me almost. Well, I mean, but that, I mean, maybe at, like, hey, uh, I don't think Tickle Me Elmo was around during the writing of Jingle All the Way, but mm. people remembered uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers yeah. and all those other hot toys. You ain't ever gonna get it. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> this is the point where Arnold and Helga, like Helga is tailing Arnold trying to figure out what he wants. Mm. And she overhears that exchange and says, oh, Arnold wants the snow boots. She doesn't go, why? And what's his shoe size? <laughs> She's like, he wants them. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so that that's kind of like the defeating moment. Like it's the end of act two where Arnold realizes like, oh man, we're never going to get these snow boots. And he has to show back up to uh, Mr. Bailey defeated. And Mr. Bailey is like, no deal. No snow boots, no deal. Don't give that man his presence. <laughs> Blew it, Gerald. All I had to do was bring a pair of Nancy Spumoni snow boots to Mr. Bailey at that crazy federal office of information, and he'd find Mr. Wynn's daughter. But it's no snow boots, no deal. <sighs> well, thanks for sticking with me like a true friend, Gerald. I needed a miracle, I guess. Just couldn't get one. Hey, Arnold. You did all right, man. You tried harder than anyone else I know. All for Mr. Wynn, a guy who's alone in this country. The stuff you did is more important than a bunch of presents. It's more important than some dumb snow boots. What you did, well, that's what Christmas is all about, Arnold. Thanks, Gerald. Just wish I could have put Mr. Wynn and his daughter together for Christmas. I don't know this is a kid's show, but this is one of those scenes where it's like, they're really laying it on thick. <laughs> like, really, really expositing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I gotta say every single word just in case someone's overhearing me. I gotta, <laughs> it's like, Man, Gerald, if only we had gotten those Nancy Spumoni snow boots to Mr. Bailey at the, the federal agency office. And I'm like, you didn't have to explain it. We saw it. Okay, so I just had a thought. One of the reasons he's hyper-focused on this is because he can't reunite with his parents. Oh. So he wants to see this done so he can live vicariously through this. <laughs> oh, no. He can use Mr. Bailey to find his own parents. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, he should. But you got to get some boots. These boots are made for bribing. <laughs> and yeah, Helga overhears this whole conversation, you know, so she she's like, well, what's up with these boots? Why is Arnold so good and pure? 
I love that Christmas fool, holiday fool. And here we get, so we have not talked, like we have not heard from Helga's family in any of our episodes so far because she, uh, Helga's family was not in the pilot of Hey Arnold. Right. Uh, so he, like, Helga goes home and we hear, like we see what they're, her family, they're very jovial compared to normal. Mm-hmm. Normally, Big Bob Beeper is is angry and watching television. Yeah. And Miriam is... Uh, Drunk. <laughs> She's collapsed on the couch. <laughs> Uh, but here they're very jovial and drinking a lot of eggnog. Helga! Where have you been all day? Out, Miriam. Honey, you look depressed. Why don't you open one of your presents now? Merry Xmas! Oh my gosh! Nancy Spumoni's signature snow boots! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I stood in line for 18 hours to get these, Helga. I swear they must be the last pair in the city. Wow. Thanks, Mom. I wanted these more than anything. Anything in the whole wide world. I gotta try them out. Very out of character for Miriam. Yeah. 18 hours. She must have been comatose because she got drunk beforehand or something. <laughs> she just... Uh, <laughs> um, real talk. She's very good at compartmentalizing. She's very... It was the best 18 hours of her day. She didn't have to go home and deal with her husband. I'm pretty sure they have separate beds. We've never seen their bedroom. <laughs> yeah. But I'm pretty sure they have separate beds. I think beds. we have. I think Helga's like snuck in at some point. Two beds. <laughs> Two beds for sure. She sleeps on the couch a lot. She does. Yikes. Um, also, just saying, kids, if I stood in line for upwards two or more hours for something for you, I don't care what the cause is. I'm very not a good person. Don't give those things away or I will give away our relationship. I've, I've done the whole like camp outside of a Best Buy on on Black Friday. It's horrible. Don't yeah. do it. I'm like, I'll never do that again. The only, it's like miserable. The only time, because I do not wait in lines. I will fast for an entire day rather than wait in any line to eat, to buy food. The only time I've waited outside for something is like when Tom's really big and my friends were super into them and we went to like a warehouse cell and we stood outside at like 4 a.m. I was so cold and miserable. Seven, $70 off a television set is like not worth eight hours in the freezing cold. Nope. Yeah, it's, it's not. No. I, I pay, I'd happily pay $70 not to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair. Y'all crazy. Convenience is king. Y'all is crazy. And also it snows in Arnold City, so yeah. poor, poor Miriam's waiting outside in the freezing cold. Don't worry. She's too drunk to feel the cold. <laughs> That's how people survive the crashing into the Atlantic when they run the Titanic. So anyway, Helga's like slaps on her, her boots and is dancing out in the street. Uh, and that's where she has her trademark Helga G. Pataki moral dilemma. Crimey. <laughs> <laughs> mm, Not another moral dilemma. Okay. On the one hand, I've got what I wanted for Christmas. I'm happy. And that's really all that matters, right? But on the other hand, I've finally discovered the one perfect thing Arnold wants for Christmas. And through a truly bizarre quirk of fate, it's these same snow boots. I could give them up and give Arnold what he wants, but then I wouldn't have anything. <laughs> these snow boots are really boss. Oh, what's the right thing to do? So boss. The expository. Expository? Yeah, but that one's just funny because <laughs> she's she's calling attention to it. You know, <laughs> like I, I feel like it's she's she's speaking to the audience like in a ch- tongue-in-cheek way like i think yeah. that's the joke where like it's not bad writing it's silly like it's yeah it's like we have to do this because it's a children's christmas special yes. so like helga has to do this but it's funny that it's helga yeah 
It's the mo. I'm happy, and that's all that matters, right? Yes. These boots are really boss. <laughs> Is that an expression has that's ever been used? Boss? Yeah. I've never heard that. Oh my gosh, that's because you're an old man. <laughs> so boss. <laughs> I love the power glove. It's so bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> The glove is bad, but it would never be boss. So Helga does the right thing. She goes to Mr. Bailey. Oh, I thought she kept the boots. No, that no. <laughs> she does the right thing. <laughs> no, she gives the boots to Mr. Bailey. Here they are, pal. One pair of Nancy Spumoni snow boots. Now turn those lights back on. We've got a missing person to locate. Are you kidding? I'm going home. It's Christmas Eve for crying out loud. Can't you see? It's not about snow boots. It's not about flashy, expensive presents or getting yours before the other guy gets his. It's about showing people you really care about them. And most of all, it's about a funny little football-headed kid with a good heart but no sense of reality whose entire worldview is at stake. That's what Christmas is all about. Yes. A little football-headed boy. Whose entire worldview is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what she said. A, a, a growth. Yeah. It's like Arnold doesn't grow. Arnold shows no development through the episode. He's he's great from the beginning to end. Yeah. You know, he just lost faith. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, Helga Helga changes, you know. That's good character development right it there. It is. This is you why know? it's Helga's show. It is. It, Helga, Helga's the main character of the show secretly. Yes. Hey, Helga. Hey, Helga. They definitely should have done. Yep. Look, kid. I appreciate your little holiday speech and all that, but it's late, and I'm going home now. For pity's sake, are you that cold? Look into your heart, and we've got a choice here. Either you and I work all night to find a certain lost daughter, or you can leave now. But if you leave now, that little football-headed kid will never believe in miracles again. Here's the thing. On that grown man side, I could do this tomorrow. <laughs> like, you got me the stuff. I could do it tomorrow. It's fine. I have a I family can, at home, too. My wife has called me several times. I can leave, I my, I, I can, all, I can leave my wife on Christmas Day. <laughs> right? I have all the presents with me right now. There's none at home. I could do this tomorrow. That's not the point. <laughs> I totally get it. But I can see where he's like, kid. I got family too, but he gets, you know, roped in. Hopefully it only took like an hour or two. Hopefully. <laughs> anyway, we are not going to play the episode end, the conclusion. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a happy ending. It's a happy yeah. ending. So it's it's a kind of a silent ending too. It's very mm. like, you know, just kind of like, oh, wow. You know, Music Arnold, and Arnold pulled it off. <laughs> and Helga very like happily whispers at the end of the episode, like, happy, happy Christmas, Arnold, or whatever. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Arnold. <laughs> happy Christmas, Harry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> She, but she uh yeah no uh, i recommend you watch this episode yeah um if, if like seriously it, it's great watch yeah. watch this one this is one of those christmas specials from from your youth that holds up mm -hmm. uh it, it makes for a good heartwarming christmas experience yeah and it's only 20 minutes long it's not long we at talked all. longer about it than the show itself is that's true we did do that <laughs> but yeah i'd recommend it to watch on christmas eve yeah Right, watch watch this and then watch Jingle All the Way. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to do that. If you're gonna pick one, choose Arnold's Christmas, honestly. Yeah, because it's shorter. But what did the world think? 
Arnold's Christmas has continued to receive acclaim from audiences, with many calling it one of the best television Christmas specials ever made. Heartily Facts. agree. Facts. Spoiler-free reviews called it, quote, funny, mature, warm, and poignant. If you haven't seen it in a while, or ever, I encourage you to find it and rectify that injustice this Christmas. <laughs> yep. And in a retrospective review, up on the shelf said, quote, Nearly 20 years later, Arnold's Christmas has every right to hold the title as the best Christmas special Nickelodeon has ever produced. Mm, yeah. Honestly, it's like, like, as I'm like, Rug, Rugrats had a Christmas special, but like their Christmas specials were never that great. It's their yeah. Hanukkah special. The Hanukkah special is really good, but yeah. I think like it's probably not on the Christmas special because it's not a Christmas thing. Well, I was like, watch, was like, watch, watch the uh, Hanukkah special and then watch the Christmas special. <laughs> yeah, get both in there. The episode has reportedly been praised by Asian American audiences for exploring the history of a community not frequently prioritized on television at the time. True. So that's another cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly, this is probably the first specifically Vietnamese character I, I saw on television. Yeah. Yeah. I can't I, even think of very, I, other than Mr. Wynn, it's like I can't think of any other prominent Vietnamese television character. Yeah. You know? I mean, I watch stuff. From other countries. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm but, talking about like, Amer America, American yeah. TV, you know, it's like, I guess I'm like, yeah, it's like a non thing. Yeah. I. Mm, uh, yeah. Phoebe and Hey Arnold is, is Japanese or yes, half, Japanese, half Japanese, you know, but like, yeah, you don't get a lot of, you don't <laughs> you get a really lot of, you don't get a lot of, no. of a representation. Vietnamese American film director Bao Nguyen, for example, said, quote, this was really the first time where I felt like the Vietnam War story was completely centered around the Vietnamese perspective. It wasn't diluted in any way to cater for a white audience. It mm. was unapologetically the Vietnam perspective. That's high praise. Yeah, yeah. Sociologist and author Nancy Wang Yuen equally praised Wynn's backstory, especially as portrayed by voice actor Bowen Coleman. Quote, they didn't talk about the violence. They didn't talk about the politics, but they humanized the Vietnamese American character. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Craig Bartlett, the show's creator, and Francesca Marie Smith, who voiced Helga, have both stated it to be one of their personal favorite episodes of the show. Mm. So. Jazz hands. <laughs> that's, that's Arnold's Christmas. And uh, we got some legacy. Oh, Okay. The special was made available on VHS by Paramount Home Video on October 13th, 1997. Uh, the tape also included another episode from the show's first season, Snow, as a bonus cartoon. <laughs> snow was the episode where it snows, like it was the first snowfall of the season mm -hmm. in Arnold's neighborhood. And rather than go have fun with his friends, Arnold he's is working. He's forced to work and like, you know, uh, shovel the sidewalk <laughs> by his grandpa and stuff like that. Yeah. There's no worth that work ethic in our society. <laughs> Or that's the problem with our society. No work ethic. No Christian work ethic. Oh my gosh, stop. <laughs> also, I remember um, clips from the episode Snow were reused for the opening of Arnold's Christmas. So mm. that's probably why they paired them together. Yeah, that makes sense. Arnold's Christmas was also included, along with Arnold's Thanksgiving from the third season, on Shout Factory's Out of the Vault Christmas compilation DVD in 2015. Okay. They weren't Ar in a vault. <laughs> Yeah, it was like they were played every year anyway. <laughs> Arnold's Christmas was adapted into a children's chapter book. Hmm. In the book, Mr. Wynn mentions that he gave the soldier Mai's birth certificate, which makes her eventual discovery more credible. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Great. I mean, that makes sense that he would have it on him if he was hoping to flee. You need your personal documents. 
And while Mai Wen did not appear in any later episodes of Hey Arnold, she was mentioned in the season five episodes Chocolate Boy and The Family Man. <laughs> okay. She also makes a cameo in Hey Arnold, The Jungle Movie. Ah. Which I think was a smart move because uh, The Jungle Movie is all about fan service. Mm -hmm. So not having her there would have been weird. Yeah. True. Long live Mai. They even mention it. Like, I think there's a point where, like, all the characters are telling Arnold, why, like, explaining to Arnold, like, why he made a huge impact on their community. Mm. And it's like, you helped me, you helped me find my, my long lost daughter. <laughs> you helped Monkey Man find... Uh... Monkeys. <laughs> That's not what he did. He, he, he helped Monkey Man during his crisis of faith. Oh, yeah. He helped what Chocolate Boy kick his chocolate addiction. For a day. <laughs> He's nine. He can't save the world. Uh, but that is all we got to say about Arnold's Christmas. Yeah. Would recommend. I know I already said that, but yeah, I feel it, like this is the place to put it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Give it a watch. Yep. Anyway, that's the end of our first segment. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know where to... It's been a while. Yeah, it's just, you know. But yeah, it was really good. Um, though, just so you know, kids, my Christmas special better. It's boss. <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's... It's... Don't you say something. It's crackers. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably closer. Uh, uh, we'll learn more about that Christmas special after the break. All right. See you on the other side, kids. Holiday season, the First Kids Network's bringing you the first ever Hey Arnold Christmas special. Next Wednesday, join Arnold on his quest to find the perfect gift for his secret Santa. And watch Helga as she tries to find the perfect gift for Arnold. Something that'll impress him and make him pine for me the way I pine for him. Oh, oh, the Hey Arnold Christmas special. Next Wednesday at 8, 7 Central, only on Nickelodeon. We're back, and we're bigger on the inside. <laughs> bigger on the outside, <laughs> right in the midsection. Uh, I would say I'm definitely bigger on the outside because I think I am a small person. I have so much small person energy in my brain, but I am not a small person. <laughs> so if you don't recognize the, the those beats from the first sec, like for you know, like the first few seconds, it's Team Rocket jump blasting off, right? We're we're taking a trip across the pond. <laughs> A place you've been for the last three weeks. I mean, not physically. <laughs> I mean, I could tell you what was going on in, in the UK in 2010. That's that is for sure. A lot of austerity measures. Oh man! <laughs> and angry students. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a we're watching a Christmas special where an evil tyrannical uh, uh, politician or whatever is basically keeping the uh, the good air keep, keeping the the people down. You oh know? yeah, yeah. Threatening them with violence. Yeah. 
You know, it's not quite what was going on in the UK, but, you know, people were frustrated with the power, the powers that be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the UK show, we're going to, you know, we said goodbye to Santa and we're now saying hello to Father Christmas. Bye, Santa. There was no Santa in the other one. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, Father Christmas. <laughs> All the Christmas. Happy Christmas. Okay, Christmas. And what is this UK British uh, Christmas special that Jess watched a lot, apparently? <laughs> Aired December 25th, 2010 on both BBC One and BBC America, starring Matt Smith, Karen Gillan, Arthur Darville, and Sir Michael Gambone. <laughs> Directed by Toby Haynes, written by Stephen Moffat. That is A Christmas Carol from Doctor Who. <laughs> so, so Doctor Who is the show that you've made me watch. I did. Not all the way through, but I've seen way more Doctor Who than I'm comfortable with. <laughs> I'm your wife. At the time, I was your friend. <laughs> T- tell me, tell me, wh- where did you d- discover Doctor Who and the Christmas Carol in particular? I uh, Netflix was do- Doctor Who. They had uh, when they revamped, reignitiated, re rebooted, booted, or, or, or like mm, made a return yeah. when they picked up when they ended their hiatus of. 70 years. Was it that long? I think it was like like from the 70s to 2005 or something. 30 or 40 years. Um, Netflix had it. And I, as a college student, just kind of like, what is this? And I watched it. Watched the first episode. I'm actually very surprised. The first episode of the reboot, whatever you want to call it, with Christopher Christopher Eccleston. Um, I'm very surprised I made it through that episode because it has like one of my like uncanny fears. Like I don't like inanimate objects that are in human form to move. And spoiler alerts, that's that's the monster of the week in that and first episode. really bad makeup, I remember that. Uh, <laughs> Ugly Mickey. <laughs> Mickey, whatever. leave Mickey alone. He just wants to kiss his girlfriend even though we all assumed he was gay the first <laughs> the first second we saw him. Um, but yeah, so I, I watched it and then I watched it all the way through. Um, I think it's just, sorry, my history with Dr. Who, because another spoiler, we will not be talking about it on the show because no. it is ongoing and I have not and watched it. And also you everything. haven't watched the first like five series of it. Either. I wouldn't count those. They count. They're part of the continuity. They're part of the show. Fine. Wikipedia does not say there's two shows it's all one show fine so if we ever go back to back in time to that year that would be my show yeah. i refuse um, oh yeah probably now that i think yeah <laughs> so um yeah because doctor who's a 60s show it's not a it's not a 2000s show it's a no. 60s show yeah it's when it debuted so Gosh, it's, it's, it's your show there. of 1964 or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yikes but yeah so i mean i watched it from there uh caught it on netflix and then by the time this episode came out we were in Matt Smith's era, obviously, it was his second season as Doctor. And I watched this live on BBC America in my mom's house because I I have not paid for cable (laughs) since my second year of college. And I don't think I even paid for it then, to be perfectly honest. How about that? I know. She watched it live. I did. What were your impressions of it live? I loved it. I cried, maybe. Why are you laughing at my emotional... uh, I I mean, I I get it. I get it. There's some emotional parts of this. Thank you. Thank you. Um... I loved it. I thought it was so good. I like I downloaded the song that's featured in it because it's beautiful. I tried to sing it. I failed to sing it. Um, we'll close this. We'll close the show out with it. Sweet. 
care why. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think I'd watched probably like by this point, because when I was through before Matt Smith was uh, David Tennant, I was probably watching all the ep- all the Christmas episodes live at that point um, for like like three or so years prior, which huzzah fan but um i've kind of fallen off because because <laughs> <laughs> the old doctor was not interesting i liked peter capaldi's doctor i liked him a lot it always takes me about four to seven episodes to get into the new doctor except david Tennant. i hated david Tennant his whole oh, run. wow here's the thing everyone loves david Tennant. i know and i also at this point in my life love david Tennant. the problem is Big spoiler again, kids. If you didn't know, there's a thing called regeneration in Doctor I'll, Who. I'll explain it. Cool. I, having come into Eccleston, Doctor Nine, which I didn't know at that point, um, had no idea that regeneration was a thing. And I love Eccleston's portrayal of the Doctor. He is still my favorite Doctor. I loved him. And then this Hasty Welsh man, he's not Welsh, he's Scottish, comes in. (laughs) You're going to make someone mad. Okay, fine. And then this pasty Scottish man with a thin nose and no ears to speak of (laughs) and way too much brown hair being way too tall. His 3D glasses. Comes in in his suit and just kills off my favorite doctor. He He was doctor for literally... Four seasons, and I hated every second of him. Every second. I already didn't like, I love Billy as a person. (laughs) I could not stand Rose, and I didn't take me until like several like seasons later and then coming back and rewatching it is the reason I couldn't stand Rose is because she was a 19-year-old idiot, and Billy Piper played her excellently. I've seen Billy Piper in a lot of stuff. She's a good actor. She nailed the annoying 19-year-old girl. I hated her, and then with Tenant connected, bad, bad, bad. Then Martha showed up. Martha was too strong to be hit with this Achilles heel of love for this doctor. And then Donna came and Donna was excellent. And she almost made me like Tenant. And then she did make me like Tenant in like the last half of her season. And then Tenant was gone. All right. We're we're getting way too in deep here already. The Whovian is coming out here. You asked me. You asked me my experience, and I never, I never have a big experience. I don't connect with things in that way. Take this, take it, and don't cut any of it. All right, so uh, let me tell, let me tell you how I got, in, or how I experienced Doctor Who. So, like we, like I mentioned, I only watched Doctor Who because we were friends, and uh, I was uh, smitten. <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to, you know, and, and I watched. I also watched. I jumped in with freaking Eccleston yes and I tried I tried and <laughs> I'm not I'm I don't really care for Eccleston's doctor very much how dare you he's very he's very 2000s core I with his leather it. jacket and his can do attitude oh my gosh can I dress up as him for Halloween next year sure Oof. I'll dress as Billy Piper do I need to shave my head no I'll wear a bald cap and then, like, you, at some point, I was like, I can't watch this anymore. And you were like, fine, just watch Blink then, <laughs> which is, like, often considered the best episode of Doctor Who. It's the one with the angels. Yes. Can't look at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's a pretty decent episode. And, I, I, and David Tennant, it's like, I have, 
it, it goes the same for this episode, this Christmas special. It's like I have problems with Doctor Who, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I both appreciate it and I don't like aspects of the show. Like, and it yeah. carries over almost every episode. And I will explain them. You okay. Because even this Christmas episode has both the strengths and weaknesses of a typical Doctor Who episode. Okay. Yeah. And then I remember, like, I was I would be hanging out with you and you're like, oh, I need to catch up on Doctor Who. And you'd watch uh, Old Man Doctor. <laughs> you know? I liked him. Also, uh, just 12. Just He's 12. What? <laughs> Doctor 12? Yeah, he's the 12th one. You can't remember uh, Peter Capel. And then there's old doctor and then there's lady doctor. Yeah, she's 13. (laughs) And is there a new one now? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I'm behind. I have not seen any of Doctor 13. Uh, No, I haven't seen any of Doctor 13. And we're about to phase into another one. So. And either way, there's. uh, So, you know, this is my first viewing of A Christmas Carol, Doctor Mm -hmm. Who. Hadn't seen it before, and we were watching it, and I was like, yeah, okay. And I don't like Matt Smith's face. There's like, I don't know. It's just, I don't like him. Yeah. He's got a very, like, smug face. Oh, my gosh. Something about it makes me want to punch it. One day you're going to get punched. <laughs> and, like, he does fine. He's 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 a fine doctor, but, I you know, I don't think he has the charisma of David Tennant either, you know. It's, like, half there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, you're you're not in like a small. You're not in a minority with that. I think there's a lot of stuff. I feel like it's one of the reasons he cut the show because people were constantly comparing him and calling him baby giraffe. I was like, you know what? Every doctor's different on purpose, right? Like, I think it's one of those very very rare roles that you can turn into whatever you want it to be. I mean, you still have to follow a script, but like how you do it. So I really appreciate every doctor. I mean, after I got over my hate of doctor. David Tennant (laughs) like and how they change and own the role that's why it's so hard after regeneration um because you're like I've got to I've got to learn a whole new thing so I mean you're fine lots of people do not like Matt Smith's portrayal of the doctor they don't um I do I think the storylines are fantastic in his seasons and that all comes down to one man Stephen Moffat Stephen Moffat I'll, I'll talk about him in a second but uh uh, just to give a brief overview of what this episode is, uh, it, it's it's all in the title, my friends. It's a Christmas Carol. It's it's Dickens' A Christmas Carol, but through the lens of Doctor Who. Yeah. So it's like sci-fi Christmas Carol. Yeah. So there's a Scrooge surrogate. He's got to learn the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah. Uh, he's got, uh, some ghosts need to visit him and, <laughs> and uh, you know uh, soften his heart so that he can be a you know he could be a repentant man. He could be a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's the gist is yeah. Doctor Who visits a planet and there's an old man who is very much Ebenezer Scrooge and uh, d- the doctor and his friends need to soften his heart because there's a there's a spaceship that's going to crash and it all relies on Ebenezer Scrooge learning the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> it. It's very simple. You just dress it up, right? All right. So let's uh, let's talk about the briefly, swiftly, the history of Doctor Who. OK. Doctor Who debuted on BBC TV in 1963, the swinging 60s, uh, receiving a warm critical reception and enjoying strong viewership over the next several series. I mean, I I think it like just like the Beatles and other like and James Bond, it was like a period of like affluence in the UK. It was like a cultural revolution, Mm -hmm. you know, so. You know, you just think of it in that in that vein, you know, it was when when the British youth culture really exploded. Yeah. 
And also, I, I mean, it's sort of probably like the equivalent to their Star Trek, right? Where it's like a, a big sci-fi show that, you know, was doing things that no one had done before. I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, that makes sense. I also thought you're probably going to read this, but I thought it was me, uh, like first started off as being like Radio history dr- and science lesson for kids. Like, oh, I, did, I don't know about that. Okay. Well, I heard, but I also don't actually do research, but I heard like it was the the show was to like promote kind of like. The doctor's going around and he's like, oh, this is a historical thing. So like, right now it's sitting like wishbone. here. Yes. <laughs> right. Except sitting right here is like mm, colonized version. We're never going back to watch those things. I'm that probably isn't the truth, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Not you. The doctor who might be your show of 1963. No, we're never and going we'll watch back. the first episode. We're never going back. <laughs> we're not doing this in the 60s, my love. In 1966, due to the increasingly poor health of actor William Hartnell, the doctor. <laughs> he was the first doctor. Uh, his role went to the younger, Patrick Troughton, thus establishing the idea that the doctor could regenerate when a new actor is needed to assume the role. Yeah. It is a purely contrived thing. Yes. Like, it, I'm like, it, it's clever. That, that's the thing about Doctor Who is like a lot of its premises are built entirely on car- contrivances. Yeah. You know, it's like, what do we need? And for that, I think it's kind of clever. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, man, you know, it's just like like James Bond doesn't even bother with this kind of stuff. It's like just a new actor comes on. And he's James Bond. And <laughs> he's he he lives in the time period we live in now. You mm-hmm. know, it's like whatever. It's we just don't address it. it it's just like comic books. You yeah. know, it doesn't matter. Uh, but Doctor Who makes it in, in there's an in canon reason why the doctor changes appearances and, and whatever. Yeah. It's because the doctor is he's a time lord. Mm-hmm. He's that's his race of people. Yes. And time lords, when they die, they regenerate as a new person. They don't die. <laughs> then what do they do? Well, I mean, when they die, they actually die. They're dead. But yes, when it's like, ah, it's time for my it's like it's like a hermit crab. <laughs> yes. It's like a crab or a snake shedding its skin. It's like it's time to molt. And they molt. And when they die, they die. There's no more molting. <laughs> okay. And well, there you go. So, yeah, whenever there's a new doctor, a new actor to come on to play the doctor, that's what happens. Yes. Doctor Who would air for 26 series with seven different doctors between 1963 and 1989. So, 89. The year of my, uh, the year of our wife, Jess. In 1989, failing viewing numbers, a decline in the public perception of the show, and a less prominent time slot saw production of Doctor Who End by Peter Cregan, the BBC's new head of series. Peter. Though it was effectively canceled with this decision, the BBC repeatedly affirmed over several years that the series would return. They saw the truth. (laughs) After an unsuccessful attempt to revive a regular production in 1996 with a television film, Doctor Who eventually returned to British Airwaves with a successful relaunch in 2005. Oh. With Christopher Eccleston starring as the ninth Doctor. Oh, and you like him. I love him. He's like an uncle we want to keep around. That's my that's my thought of he's that like the, He's like the gritty, edgy Doctor for the, for the new millennium. He's literally Uncle Doctor. Anytime I refer to that person, like nine, I was just like, that's the uncle who will. He's like, you're not my kid, so I'm going to tell you straight. I love him. You want a beer? Yeah. <laughs> that like, kind of Doctor. Literally at one point he was like, Rose, you stupid idiot girl. And I was like, I love this man. He speaks the things that are true. <laughs> David Tennant joined the show as the 10th Doctor in 2006 and Matt Smith joined as the 11th Doctor in 2010. And Matt Smith is the Doctor. Here he is in, in A Christmas Carol. <laughs> it's just for, like, He's the Doctor we were spending time with today. Was I think I mentioned it. The, the He shows up in A Christmas Special. 
Matt Smith. Yeah. His first episode is a Christmas special. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. My brain took a while to say that. Yeah, every doctor that I've seen, um, the regeneration happens over a Christmas special. So it's the end of the season, and they're like, I don't want to go. I'm so sorry I quoted that. Um, and then regenerate, new face, end of episode. The next episode you see is a Christmas special, and it's just with that person. And then another break until the show actually starts sometime in February. There you go. A particularly notable writer who had been with the show since the relaunch was Stephen Moffat, who wrote six critically acclaimed episodes, which aired from 2005 to 2008. Those include the two-parter, The Empty Child slash The Doctor Dances. Yes. Is that, are you my mommy? Yes. <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> are you my mommy? Yes. The Girl in the Fireplace, 2006. That's literally my favorite Tenant episode. I think I've seen that one too. Yes, you have. <laughs> Blink, 2007. The best Doctor Who episode. The scariest monster Doctor Who has ever come across, ever. Time Crash, 2007. Mm. You know that one? Not off the top of my head. Silence in the Library slash Forest of the Dead, 2008. So good. Have I seen that one? Yes. Like you said, you stopped at Eccleston, but I know you got like really far through with me. No, no, you jumped around. Uh. I think you and I jumped around a lot. Like, and the, the, the library one, is that one like... It's with Donna. Hey, who turned out the lights? It's, it's like a very bright library at some points or no, something. No, it's when the darkness comes and... Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen that one. Yes. <laughs> so he wrote all those. Yes. And those are like some of the most memorable ones. Yeah, I, I was like, you can always tell when Moffat writes a thing. Like, I try to not see the writer's names when we go, when we, uh, when the show starts up and it says what it's written by, but you can always figure it out. Right. Like, and when I went back and I was like, Oh, Stephen Moffat is the head writer now. Like all these things are like bangers. These are all bangers. And then I went back and all my favorite episodes were written by him. I was like, oof, the man knows how to plot a plot. You gave it away in 2008. The BBC announced that Moffat would assume the role of lead writer and executive producer of Dr. Who for the show's fifth series to be broadcast in 2010, coinciding with the debut of Smith's Doctor. Yes. Ugh, such an engaging couple of seasons. He was also serving as the showrunner, lead writer, and executive producer of Sherlock at the exact same time. Yeah, I, I had a Moffat face. <laughs> there's a there's a whole, there's a Sherlock moment in this episode. I will play it. So if you like Sherlock, I, I actually, I, I like Sherlock of what I've seen better mm. than like Doctor Who. I think it's a little yeah. bit more like grounded. You've Maybe only, that's why I like it. Yeah. You've only watched the first episode. <laughs> but no, the, the, the writing in that is like impeccable. Tight. Yes, yeah. it's so good. It's, yeah, it's because it's more grounded and you don't just be like, because magic. <laughs> so this series of Doctor Who was met with strong viewership worldwide, critical acclaim, and numerous awards. And what would follow this fifth series? This Christmas special. Ooh. The first real Doctor Who Christmas special took place during the show's original third series in 1965 during the Daleks Master Plan serial. Okay. So I guess there was like a like a series of episodes oh, yeah, about the sense. Daleks. Yeah. And they had their first Christmas special. The Christmas Day episode, The Feast of Stephen, was scripted as a comic interlude in the middle of an otherwise epic adventure. <laughs> in the final scene, as the Doctor and his companions celebrate Christmas with a toast, the first Doctor turns to the camera, breaks the fourth wall, saying... Incidentally, a happy Christmas to all of you at home. <laughs> the next episode would resume the action of the serial. 
Oh, wow. So it was like a brief aside. You're like, <laughs> when you think you skipped a page in a book, like, wait, what did I miss? <laughs> no subsequent episodes of the series' original run were broadcast on Christmas Day or make any reference to the holiday season. Huh. Which I thought was interesting. I thought I, I had assumed because I knew that Christmas was important to Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and I assumed it was from the old days. But no, no, <laughs> there wasn't. <laughs> the Doctor Who Christmas tradition actually began in the first year of the relaunch with the 2005 episode, The Christmas Invasion. Yeah. Christmas Day specials would air annually in the years to follow. Yes. So it became a thing. Yeah, it makes sense. Also, that was probably the weakest of the Christmas specials, and there were some weak ones. But I love Eccleston. That brings us to 2010. Stephen Moffat wanted to make that year's Christmas special really Christmassy because the previous Christmas special, The End of Time, as I mentioned, had been darker than usual as it led to the 10th Doctor's regeneration. Yep. Yes, indeed. <laughs> he stated that he had, quote, never been so excited about writing anything. I was laughing madly as I tapped to Christmas songs in April. <laughs> so there Ugh, you go. April. This- I mean, you got to get ready. So this is the most Christmassy Christmas Doctor Who has ever gotten, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, it has. I mean, it's straight up just, it's just adapting Dickens. Yeah. So. Yeah. What's more Christmas than Dickens? Goose. <laughs> Christmas goose. <laughs> and that's all I got. So we can talk about this episode. All right. On every world, wherever people are, in the deepest part of the winter, at the exact midpoint... Everybody stops and turns and hugs, as if to say, well done. Well done, everyone. We're halfway out of the dark. Back on Earth, we call this Christmas, or the winter solstice. On this world, The first settlers called it the Crystal Feast. You know what I call it? I call it expecting something for nothing. Bah humbug. Humbug. So uh, that is... Sir Hambone. (laughs) Hambone. Sir Michael Gambone. That's what I said. Gambone. Gambon? Maybe Gambon. Mm, Hambone. We're going to stick with it. Uh, that is, uh, does Dumbledore. Dumbledore. It's the second Dumbledore. Got it. He regenerated in, in the, no. the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and honestly, like, other than the voice, I didn't even recognize him. He looks like a completely different person. Uh, Ooh, in, without it, an added huge beard. Without and the giant beard and the hat. hat. Yeah. And the glasses. Half moon glasses. Yeah. He just. So yeah, uh, the, the Dumbledore playing basically the Scrooge surrogate. In, yeah. in, in this episode, he's referred to as Kazran Sadik. Kazran. So when you hear Kaz, Kazran is Scrooge. Yes. I bet. I, I bet there's like a like a play on words there somewhere. I don't know. Ebenezer Scrooge. This is like, is it the words wriggled up? No, uh, Kazran Sadik. I don't know. I pro- there's probably something in it. I have no idea what it would be. Kazran's a nice strong name, though. But yeah, the, the world, it, it's set on like a distant planet, you know, somewhere in the universe where they still celebrate Christmas. Yes. Uh, I, I guess, honestly, the only thing that's different about their world and our world is that uh, there's a huge cloud layer over the, the planet. 
under and, the sea. And, and fish swim around in the in the in the mist. Yes. Fish and other aquatic creatures. They live below water level. Yeah, but it's just like a heavy heavy clouds. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a bunch of folks who live. They essentially live under the sea, but not yeah. really. It's just like fish fly around. That's it. Flying fish. Yeah. Yeah. The fish are light enough to fit through the. I don't know, but it works. And Kazran Sardik runs the show. Mm-hmm. He he is the head of some company that is able to control the cloud layer. Like yeah. he 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 controls the weather with his giant machine that his father built. Mm-hmm. It's like this giant tower that extends out of the city. Yeah, and it uses technology to control the weather. Yep, uh, uh, and that's why he's the big honcho in town. So people have to come to him for for loans and such things. Yeah, he's, he's like the banker. Yeah, I'm not and sure. The, and the president. Uh, he's uh, the mafioso. He's like, oh, you don't need my protection? Then let me just let some fish come down while your children are on the playground. Might be a harmless cuttlefish. Cuttlefish are not harmless. <laughs> yeah, no, like he's 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 a monster too. He's like a petulant child. You know? Yeah. Like everyone relies on him and he hates people at Christmas. Yeah. So. He's above it all. Because he's rich. Yeah, and, and so it's hard to, like, they explain it through dialogue, but it's it's not a very good clip. Basically, he gives out loans to people, right? You know, like a banker would. Um, and as collateral, he he accepts human beings as collateral. Yep. And they basically, he like, a family will come to him and say, hey, we need some money. Okay, well, give me one of your family members as collateral. Uh, and then that family member is then frozen cryogenically and put in a vault. Yep. That's what he does. Until they can pay back the loan. And yep. some people are in there for a very long time. And uh, the first, uh, freaking, in, in Dickens fashion, a family comes to him, you know, it's like, you know, please, sir, we just want, it's Christmas. Can't you let me come home early? Yeah. Ah, humbug. You know. <laughs> There's a little tiny Tim. Anyway, the family comes to him, and rather than ask for time off for Christmas, they're asking for their family member back. Yeah, just to be unfrozen for one day. Mr. Sardik, we're only asking for one day. Just let her out for Christmas. She loves Christmas. Does she? Oh, does she? I see. Hello? Oh, wakey, wakey. It's Christmas. You know what? I think she's a bit cool about the whole thing. <laughs> it's not a kind man. <laughs> and so here comes my first issue with this episode. Mm. The, the these characters here, uh, the, the family coming to him, they're important. Yeah, they're main characters in this episode. Uh, they seemed like just non unimportant like side characters at first you know mm-hmm. and i i had trouble getting into the 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 premise of this episode at first you know i feel like that i have that problem with almost every doctor who episode it has a very i have a hard time getting into the premise like it doesn't establish things very well but then by the end you're kind of into it like eventually you get into it like mm-hmm. the the interesting ideas they're clever yeah. and they're smart um, and it's like, you know, oh, that, that's a really clever sci-fi idea that you came up with. But you it's a rocky start every time. Right. You know, and I have trouble, like, understanding what's happening. I'm, I'm not, like, put, you know, it doesn't doesn't introduce the ideas very well at the mm-hmm. start. You know, so it's just, like, throwing ideas at you. There's a, there's a spaceship crashing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you got this Christmas Carol analog <laughs> and uh, 
there's there's people cryogenically frozen and mm-hmm. he's he's mocking them and you don't even quite understand why they're asking him to do that. Yeah. You know, it's like why is this woman in a in a in a frozen coffin, you know, what, what's <laughs> happening here? Why is this what's going on? What's happening? It, it felt like whiplash. I, yeah. I felt like it's very disoriented. I I mean, I can get your perspective on that. I think some of the heavy lifting was supposed to be done by like knowing what a Christmas carol was. So some of the stuff was like uh quote unquote given. I don't know if that's what I word, I know Christmas I know a Christmas carol. Yes. The, the it, it was still confusing. No, at yeah. First. Yeah. I'm I'm saying I'm saying that less work was put into the establishing of this particular one. So like as a as a doc, as a Hoovian, I was in and I understood like the the parts that were sci- sci-fi and um, the parts that were, so it was an easier meld for me. But I can totally see without the buy-in where it was a little bit hard. Like even when you're like, this family is a main character. I was like, eh, they're tertiary. One member is. Like they're there to introduce the important No, person. they come back. There's a whole important scene with them. Yeah, but they're still tertiary in that. <laughs> like they, they are, are the, they are the tiny. Wh- yeah, wh- I know, but they're the foil, like, or the like wrapping over the actual main character. Sure, sure. Sorry, sorry, sir. The, the president says there's a galaxy-class ship trapped in the cloud layer, and well, we have to let it land. Or, well, or we'll crash, sir. Oh, well, that's a kind of landing, isn't it? You know. It's from Earth, sir, registering over four thousand life forms on board. Oh. <laughs> Not if we wait a bit. You can't just let it crash, sir. Says who? I'll get it here. Look, Petal, we already have a surplus population. No more people allowed on this planet. I don't make the rules. Oh, no, hang on. I do. Right, you look. So, again, it was like this is right after that whole family coming to try to get their family mm-hmm. member back. It, you get this phone call. Uh, and and like they explain it there pretty well, but I was like my eyes are like glazed over. I was like, what's <laughs> happening? Basically, there is a ship from Earth that is in the atmosphere of this planet, mm-hmm. and it is going to crash because it can't survive in the cloud layer. Yeah. And the president, I, I guess there's a president, <laughs> and they called Kazran Sardik and said, "Hey, can you use your weather machine to clear up the clouds and save these people?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, cool." That's you know. Yeah, what did they? Four hundred people on, on board. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a good. Four hundred. That's four hundred people's blood in your hands. But he doesn't care because nah. he hates Christmas. Casran <laughs> don't care. Honey Patchy don't care. So that's like the stakes, and that and, and that's the the problem that the doctor has to solve. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I guess I mean it's it explained. Yeah, it does a really good job. You know, like I think like hearing you talk about it like this i think that you would i this is probably something i should at the end of this but like i think you would probably really enjoy watching enjoy way more maybe not really enjoy watching um through matt smith's uh more than you did uh tenant or eccleston because everything like is much more tight it's where you're like i'm just jumping in like give you a couple episodes to understand uh, Steven's writing. And then at every point, like five minutes in, you're in the episode rather than like, by the end, I get it. Like you are. So I think looking at this, right, where you're just kind of like, I don't know. I was just like, I get it. I'm in it. It's fine. And but- it took me to the second watch to really understand what's happening in these opening scenes. Even mm-hmm. the phone call. Like if, the, if when we first watched it, this phone call happened, I was like, what? <laughs> what, what what's happening? It's very confusing. 
And all of those problems are further exasperated by the doctor himself. The, 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 supposedly the main character. Yeah. So he, he shows up and this is what happens. Father Christmas, Santa Claus, or as I've always known him, Jeff. There's no such person as Father Christmas. Oh, yeah. Me and Father Christmas, Frank Sinatra's Hunting Lodge, 1952. See him at the back with the blonde, Albert Einstein, the three of us together. Um, watch out. Okay? Keep your faith. Stay off the naughtiness. He's, like, just quipping right away, because he comes down the chimney. He's supposed to be, like, he's Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. uh, but he he starts, so he, he, he introduces himself with a bunch of quips, mm -hmm. right? He's just talking a mile a minute. He's very fat. Like, that's Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, just talk very fast. Be very, very uh, eccentric. Like, mm -hmm. Doctor Who is way too eccentric for me to use him to, like, get introduced to the world they're in. And it's mm -hmm. a problem when it's a weird sci-fi world where, like, I'm a fish out of water, you know? Mm -hmm. I need to be grounded. You know, I need, I need an audience surrogate to help me get acquainted with the world. Um, and Doctor, the Doctor is not that. Yeah, I, I, he's way too eccentric and just kind of like carefree for me to even care what's happening. There's no state like he takes everything like it, that. It's just the doctor. I understand. Mm -hmm. That's just the way the show is. But he's so like lackadaisical about anything mm -hmm. of everything. So when the, the stakes are 100 people are going to die or whatever mm -hmm. in the spaceship and we got to soften the old man's heart. I don't get I don't feel the seriousness because the doctor is the one who is supposed to be fixing the problem. And he doesn't seem to care. Right. I'm going to have to disagree with you <laughs> because I'm a fan probably, but I get it. I see your, I see your point of view, but uh, especially for this episode, right? Because I believe the point of companions is to have that straight. They're point. not there. I, that's, that's the reason I was saying that's, that's why specifically in this episode it is a lot harder to get into. That's why I was like, yes. you'd probably enjoy actual, like the actual series with Matt Smith because the writing is tight and you have somebody who's like, what are you doing to like ground you? Right. Here, those people are on a honeymoon in that ship that's falling, which is the only reason the doctor is getting involved at all. So I, it's not that I disagree with you like in that sense, but like I, but you were saying like, this is my problem with the doctor in general. So that was like, I disagree right. with that. But Tip here, I totally see it. Um, and I think the, the thing is right. Like he is the thing of specifically that is integral to the doctor of not just like he's zany, he's eccentric. Like he is an old man who has collected a lot of knowledge and weirdness in his life. And is like, I am in my eight hundreds. <laughs> I do not care what you think, like what you may perceive me as. Um, but then also, right. Like a lot of the zaniness hides a lot of deep 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 hurts in this character that shine through but you don't you being dropped in on this episode which is my fault because this is my thing you wouldn't see any of those things and how they're feeding into how yeah, it's I, mean, I i don't have a problem with it as character development and stuff mm -hmm. like that but when the the pure function of the storytelling is to help me understand just the basic premise of what's happened you know in the, in the plot like mm -hmm. i'm like i don't know it, it's not he's not serving his purpose mm. You know, and like you said, typically the doctor has human companions around with him who are just your everyman, you know, who are going to uh, help ground it and get the audience, be the audience surrogate, right? Yeah. They're not present in here. Yeah, no. They show up later. 
But yeah. I would like to uh, rewind back to the part where you're like, Stephen Moffat was cackling while, I was like, this feels like a cackling while writing thing. We're like, I'm putting everything in I've ever wanted. So just to prove my point here, I'm going to play the next clip. And this is the clip that explains to you that Kazran Sardik has a weather machine that only he can use. And it's the only, the weather machine is the only thing that's going to save that ship up there. But the problem is he's the only one who can use it. The doctor can't use it, right? That is what is being explained to the audience here. Now, this console is the key to saving that ship. I'll eat my hat. If I had a hat. I'll eat someone's hat. Not someone who's using their hat. I don't want to shop or something. Sorry, rambling, because this isn't working. The controls are isomorphic, one-to-one. They respond only to me. Oh, you fibber. Isomorphic. There's no such thing. Dumbledore uses the machine and it works and doctor mm-hmm. can't, he presses a button, it doesn't work. Right. Uh, and I'm like, it makes sense with the second viewing, but the first time I was viewing, the doctor's nonchalantness was so off-putting, I did not understand what was happening. I don't know, I was like, what is he doing? Why is he doing this? And he's like, sorry, so rambling. And he's like, I'll eat my hat. And I'm like, he just, he keeps talking. Mm. He keeps talking and he says everything with the same inflection where I start to glaze over because I don't know what's important or what isn't anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, everything is taken with the same level of excitement. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I mean, I I get it that that's your reaction, but I was like sitting there and like listening to every beat and I could hear where the inflection changed and where it was like, oh, there's kids in the room and I'm being goofy and now I'm getting really frustrated and nope, got to keep the energy back up because everything is a coping mechanism for this man. And I... So I can see where if you don't want to like give a moment to like buy in. But I think when you come into these shows, right, like there is some like I need to suspend things like I I don't know, like because I get it. There are some shows where I'm like, I can't I don't I don't like it. I don't want to do this. Like I, I can't suspend my d- belief. I can't whatever you're asking me to do. I can't do it. Right. But like. When you know, like, hey, I'm going to the show that's sci-fi, they're making up their own rules, and the main character's supposed to be quirky in some ways, like, let's see what we're actually going to do with this. And the only reason I'm sticking with it is because it's, he's not a hyper pixie dream girl, right? Like, there are layers. He is a manic pixie man. (laughs) Manic pixie man guy. (laughs) Man lord? No, definitely not that one. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, but I was like, ah, there are things in there. Like, even without watching the visual cues, and yeah, I've seen this more than anything else, just like hearing it, I'm like, I'm hearing his tone change. I'm hearing when he's like addressing his frustrations, facing a machine, and when he's like looking at, like, I know there's definitely young people in the room because of how he's like talking. So yeah, you know, like if you're like, uh, <laughs> then, uh. It's, but, it, it's, it, I have not been trained, I guess. Yeah. But like, I get the same thing. Like, that's how I feel about Lost. That's how I feel about, uh, what's the Walter White show? Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Like, I just like, uh, no, you know what? Specifically, that's what I feel about Up. Like the first 10 minutes, if you don't buy in, you don't care about the rest of the movie. And I don't buy into the first 10 minutes. So it's like, I guess, sad, may, the bird's cute. Like, so I get it. Right. Like, which is why I'm like, I just don't know. Like, if you like Up, you like Up. That's cool. I guess I just feel like this is the problem I have every Doctor Who episode, especially the ones with the high concept, mm-hmm. right? It's like they fumble the foundation, you mm-hmm. know, so it's hard for me to like 
get firmly established in what's happening. Right. And then by the end, finally, when I start to catch on, I'm like, okay, that was interesting and clever. But every single time that establishment is bungled in my opinion you know and it's mostly i think it's because of the doctor yeah i and again i go back to i think you would be more okay with matt smith's run because we know you don't mind stephen moffat's writing and it's longer form and there are some like episodes in there that are like well but you're right like the establishment of it is important and he does do that very well but in the writing of this this christmas episode is in the middle of two established seasons. Mm. Yeah, I'm like comparing it to like uh, Joss Whedon with with his movies, like Serenity or mm-hmm. uh, uh, The Avengers, right? Yeah. It's mid a big storyline, you know, mm-hmm. mid cinematic universe. But like for some, somehow he has like a knack for just like the first 10 minutes, 20 minutes, or just like here are all the characters, here's, what, here's their deal, and here's the story. And mm-hmm. it's like, wow, you did a great job. I'm like, I'm in it. Yeah. It is okay. I was gonna say it's more grounded, but Serenity, eh, it's grounded. <laughs> it's the, still science and stuff that makes sense without blah blah blah. I get, I get it. Anyway, I don't want to dwell too much on that. We got to get into the story. Uh, so let's, you know, the doctor's gonna lay out the stakes. Here are the stakes for his adventure. Mm-hmm. There are four thousand and three people in a spaceship trapped in your cloud belt. Without your help, they're going to die. Yes. You don't have to let that happen. I know, but I'm going to. Bye-bye. Bored now. Shut up. Oh, look at you. Looking all tough now. There are 4,003 people I won't allow to die tonight. Do you know where that puts you? Where? 4,004. Was that a sort of threaty thing? Whatever happens tonight, remember, you brought it on yourself. Yeah, yeah, right. Get him out of here. So, doctor needs to... Fix this man. Yes. Or kill him. <laughs> but who among us have not tried to fix a man? <laughs> and uh, so that he could save these people. That's the, the story. And there's a moment. I, I did not get this clip because it was kind of messy. You know, it was it was hard to understand what was being said. But he's had, he's on a call with his companion. What's her name? Amelia. Amelia. Mm-hmm. And he she's like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I don't know. Hold on. And And there's a. Christmas music coming out of a, of a of a speaker speaker when he's like on the street and it's playing Christmas music. She's like, "What's that music? A Christmas carol." And he's like, "I, I need something to do. I need to figure out what to do." Uh, what was that? A Christmas carol. And he kept he keeps repeating a Christmas mm-hmm. carol. And he's like, "That's it." <laughs> so he comes to the uh, epiphany that he is going to basically recreate a Christmas carol with this Scrooge. Yeah. So what happens in a Christmas carol? Ghosts. Ghosts show up to haunt <laughs> Scrooge. Yes, they take him to the past, to the present, and to the future. Christmas Carol is a time travel yes. uh, book, and uh, it's a time travel story, and Doctor Who is a time travel show. Yeah. So, you know, it, they f- it, they, they're in the same family it, tree. It, it fits like a stocking. <laughs> uh, so first thing first, uh, the ghost of Christmas past needs to show up, you know, mm-hmm. um, and in this... In this episode, the ghost of Christmas past is just the doctor. Yes. Um, but they how they handle it is they the the doctor is trying to investigate Kazran's past. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are you the way you were? You know? And I, I have here, I have the Sherlock moment because mm-hmm. he's investigating why Kazran is such a grouchy old man. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with his father. Oh no. What am I missing? 
Get out. Get out of this house. Chairs, of course, the chairs. Stupid me, the chairs. Chairs? There's a portrait on the wall behind me. It looks like you, but it's too old, so it's your father. All the chairs are angled away from it. Daddy's been dead for 20 years, but you still can't get comfortable where he can see you. There's a Christmas tree in the painting, but none in this house on Christmas Eve. You're scared of him, and you're scared of being like him, and good for you. You're not like him, not really. Do you know why? Why? Because you didn't hit the boy. Merry Christmas, Mr. Sardin. I despise Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I despise Christmas. That that is just a scene out of Sherlock, right? Yes. Just it totally. Absolutely. <laughs> I and you know, Sherlock had been on the air already. Mm-hmm. I, I I actually at first was like, is this the beginning of the Sherlock bug? <laughs> it's not. It, he'd it's already not. he'd already been doing it. <laughs> this might have just been like a like fan service even to fans who like it might have been fan service, but it also might have just been like we were, I wrote them at the same time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um so he alludes to it. There's a point where uh Kazred is like about to slap Tiny Tim across the face, yeah. But he he reels back and and doesn't do it, and he realizes I'm becoming just like my father, and that's what the doctor is pinpointing there. Kazran's a big jerk because his father was an abusive, angry man who also hated Christmas. All I can think is, you love your brother. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Scride. Just put that clip in. I'm kidding. So the ghost of Christmas Past, aka the Doctor. Doesn't show he shows Kazran the past. Well, what he actually does is, well, I guess first he shows him the past. He pulls out like an old recording yeah. from the past. It's like a video recording. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a Zoom call from. <laughs> it's just a little boy like vlogging in his room. He's like making like his toys do a little puppet show, and he's watching. And he's like, "Why are you watching? Where do you find this?" And then like Kazran's dad comes in, and it's like, "Oh, I hate this." And then the doctor's like, "I'll be back." And wait, then- wait, don't give it away. So let me play that first. This is my top secret special project. For my eyes only. Merry Christmas. What are you doing? What are you doing? I warned you before about this stupid, ignorant, ridiculous child. I was just going to make a film of the fish. Fish are dangerous. I just want to see them. Stupid. The far too young. Everyone at school seen the fish. Enough. We'll be singing to them next, like gypsies. Singing works. I've seen it. The fish like the singing. What does it matter what fish like? People say we don't have to be afraid of the fish. They're not really interested. You in don't us. listen to people. You listen to me. Mom. Sorry, father. He hit him. Hit that boy. And also, Dumbledore plays the father as well. Yes. With a mustache. <laughs> Father Mustache <laughs> and Father Christmas. They went to school together. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this is technically the Ghost of Christmas Past because this is all just a recording that the doctor has dug up and is showing old Kazran. Right. So old Kazran in the present is watching a recording of the past. Yes. It's a, it's a vlog. It's a vlog where he's like, look at these new fish that I just got in my window. And you you started to give it away. What happens? Uh, The doctor goes on a bathroom break. But gets lost on the way and finds himself in the past. Doctor Who is a time traveler. So he travels to the past and shows up in the vlog <laughs> while old well like old Kazran is watching it. Yeah. So he's changing the past. He is. In real, real time. time. <laughs> what was that quote from from uh the Doctor Who it was like 
time is like a big bowl of timey wimey wibbly wobbly stuff. That's that's the 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 gist here. Is, you know, time travel happens, and you just gotta roll with it. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Hi, I'm the doctor. I'm your new babysitter. Where's Mrs. Mantovani? Ah, you'll never guess, clever old Mrs. Mantovani. She only went and won the lottery. There isn't any lottery. There isn't any lottery. I know. What a woman. If you're my babysitter, why are you climbing in the window? Because if I was climbing out of the window, I'd be going in the wrong direction. Pay attention. But Mrs. Mantovani's always my babysitter. Times change. What do you say? See? Christmas past. Who are you talking to? You. Now, your past is going to change. That means your memories will change too. Bit scary, but you'll get the hang of it. I don't understand. I'll bet you don't. I wish I could see your face. He's talking to the, the webcam, I assume. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's talking directly to old Kazran, who's watching this recording from the past that is being changed. <laughs> it's very it's very sci-fi, you see. Yes. Um, this feels a little uh, invasive. Like, yeah, he, he says it. Kazran brought it upon himself. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not like it's unwarranted. But right. to, to change a man's memories, to, you know, invade his past and change his memories, that seems a little... Yeah, you uh, know... Invasive. It is invasive to, like, change a man's memory. But it's, you know... Just as invasive to end four thousand people's lives. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, could you go back in time and and change Hitler's like, uh, past so that he doesn't become an evil man? That's know? in season four. Is it? <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. Like. Oh. Oh. You're asking if he can go back in time and change these things. Oh gosh, you can get. It's me like, is Lord. it ethical? That's the question. No. Okay, you can give me the Lord. There are fixed points in time that cannot be changed, no matter what you do. Oh. One, this, nah, it's fine, dog. If blood's going to be on <laughs> yeah, your hands. Doctor Who is built on contrivances. It's like, if it works, it works. This is very true. But also when we see the doctor try to do more, like the writers nip it in the bud, right? Like where it's like, no, I'm whatever I want to be. I'm the master of time. I'm going to do it. It goes terribly wrong. People die. It's really bad because it's like, we know you want to say the doctor can do this, but that's too OP and we are not going to allow it. So <laughs> Doctor Who can use time travel and technology and magic uh, only if it serves the, the story that they're telling at the time. Yes. That's the rule. Really. Absolutely. It's like it, it only works if it tells a good story. Exactly. But also got to remember it is then canon and you can't unwrite that mess later. Okay, so a lot of stuff happens in the past. Mm -hmm. Ghost of Christmas Past segment is the longest segment of the episode, and I am not going to play very much of it at all (laughs) because... It's long. It's long, and a lot of stuff happens, and again, it's all contrivance after contrivance after contrivance just to establish the the foundation. Mm -hmm. A lot of crap happens where the doctor's hanging out with little Kazran and establishing what's going on, and they they play around with the, his sonic screwdriver. Yep. They kill a shark. They don't kill a shark. They wound a shark. <laughs> uh, all this happens so that they can stumble into the vault where they keep the frozen people, mm-hmm. and they can wake up the woman that was being asked to be woken up for Christmas. Right. That's Just, why we had that family. So they wake her up, and it's a woman named Abigail. And I don't even have a good clip introducing Abigail because it's so like we gotta get this over. We gotta yeah. we gotta establish the plot for the premise so we can move on. Mm-hmm. You know. So they wake up Abigail, who's this you know uh, young lady, just what young woman? She's probably what like eighteen or something. Yeah, yeah, it's eighteen year old woman, and you got little ten year old Kazran there, and the doctor, and uh, 
he takes them on a wild Christmas adventure where they sing to a shark and they release it into the atmosphere. And, you know, it's a sky shark. So it's, it swims away sky and it's this shark. crazy. And he, he takes them in a ride in his, his magic phone booth. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's bigger on the inside. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's just like, oh, wow, that was a fun Christmas adventure we went on. And it establishes a tradition where every Christmas Eve, the doctor will visit Kazran using time travel. And they will wake up Abigail and they will have a Christmas adventure every year. Oh, yeah. It's very important to note that we do put her back in her fridge tube yeah. at the end of each night. She only wakes up on Christmas Eve to hang out with the doctor and Kazran. It's a tradition. Whereas first it was like, you know, Bond, a person of Bond. Now it really does feel like this is my plaything. <laughs> it, it And, and the, the, she doesn't age because she's cryogenically frozen. Yeah, She uh, just like. 10 days. They do this for several years. The, do- the doctor doesn't age because he doesn't age. And then Kazran ages a year every year because it's a new Christmas. Yeah. Ah, sorry. Time's up, kids. Why? It's nearly Christmas Day. If you should ever wish to visit again. Well, you know, if I'm ever in the neighborhood. He comes every Christmas Eve. What? Yeah, he does every time. He promises. No, I don't. Merry Christmas, Doctor! Repeat that over and over again. Door opens. Doctor! Merry Christmas! Yeah, here's the thing. That's hilarious. Where It wasn't necessarily part of the plan. Where It was like, I'm going to fix this little boy. And the little boy arm twists him. He's going to do this every year. Like, what? What? I've got people to save. Ah, Take it. Can't disappoint a child. He's been living this horrible existence where his father hates Christmas and him. Yeah. And beats him. So it's, it's the like, one happy time of the year where I hang out with my the man I wish was my dad and a cool lady. Yeah. It's just like friends. It's like he's had friends for the first time in his life and yeah. he gets to enjoy the, the joy of Christmas. And he saw and fish. He saw the fish <laughs> and a shark. I saw the fish. <laughs> he came into my room. I saw the fish. And then there's a, uh, a montage of them doing this every year. For, I presume six years, seven years, or something like Somewhere that. Somewhere around until, until young Sardic, young Kazran, is a strapping young man about the same age as Abigail. Yeah. And I don't have the clip, but like you know, door opens. Doctor Kazran. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, you're an attractive young man now. That would be so weird from from that perspective. Like I've seen this boy six times, literally. Like, he was like my little brother. Like seven hours ago, he was a child. Mm-mm. It's weird. Now I'm like, oh yeah, I'm into this guy. I'm into it. And she she makes a request. You've grown. Yeah. And now you're blushing. Sorry. That's okay. So, doctor, where this time? Pick a Christmas Eve. I've got them all right here. Might I make a request? course this one because what do they do they travel through time and go to different christmas eves all around the world is that a thing yeah so they just visit a different christmas eve in another era mm-hmm. you know and then she says no i want to have christmas eve tonight yeah with my family yeah. who i haven't seen in like you know maybe 10 days <laughs> well no i mean she well she hasn't seen him in 10 it, days but it's been like what six seven years or something yeah, like, who knows how long yeah it's been probably more uh, like almost a decade she's gonna visit her 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 sister's family and have mm-hmm. christmas eve there with sardic and the doctor all hanging out all those christmas eves you never once came to see us i'm here now then stay stay for tomorrow have christmas dinner with us 
I can't. Well then. Tomorrow's Christmas dinner is cancelled as my sister refuses to attend. Is it dinner? instead? We'll have it tonight. Very British Christmas. <laughs> Pull little poppers out. Let's do it this Christmas. Poppers. Jalapeno poppers. By this point, I was. this is the point in the episode where I started really getting into what, what was happening. Like, mm -hmm. I was able to find, okay, all right, now I understand what the story is. And yeah. I get it. I get it. I, he's, he's changing that old man's life in the past. Mm -hmm. He's making that young. He's, he's, he's melting his heart in real time. Right. By using this, this poor woman <laughs> who can only wake up once a year. Well. Uh, and it's like a love story, you know, obviously. Kazran and Abigail are blooming. Gross. <laughs> I actually went so when they visit the this this Christmas Eve with the mm -hmm. family, I thought this was the segment where I was like, oh, this is the ghost of Christmas present. Because mm -hmm. it's like this one, the yeah. present Christmas. I was like, okay, ghost of Christmas. No, it's still ghost of Christmas past. We yeah. have not, we haven't we're still in the past. Yeah. Technically, because we're with the young Kazran. Yeah, Kazran's still young. Yeah. But it stands in the place place of present. Yes. But there, there is a ghost of Christmas present. We, mm. It happens later. Right. Uh, but yeah, I was like, it's, 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 it's nice. Mm -hmm. Like, I like this scene with Abigail's family. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it was needed. Like, it's fun. It's romp. It blah, blah. But it's like one of those, like, I'd like to see my family if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, and it, it humanizes her a little bit more. Because mm -hmm. until this point, she's just some lady. That they take around for a good time. Yeah. It sounded weird. But yeah. Uh, and then at the end of the night. They they put Abigail back in her, in her coffin. In her cold coffin. <laughs> but not before she gives Kazran a big old smooch. Till the next one. I look forward to it. Now I'd like to say goodnight to Kazran. Of course, yes. Well, on you go. Oh, oh. <laughs> yes, right. Sorry. I'll um, I'll go then. Good night. Good luck. Night. Good night. Yeah, I think you're right. I've never kissed anyone before. What do I do? Well, try and be all nervous and rubbish and a bit shaky. Why? Because you're going to be like that anyway. Might as well make it part of the plan, then it'll feel on purpose. Off you go then. But now, I, I kiss her now. Catherine, trust me, it's this. Or go to a room and design a new kind of screwdriver. Don't make my mistakes now. Go. And they kiss. It's good advice to just plan to be rubbish. <laughs> yep. Uh, and that's so they have one more Christmas Eve after this one, and mm. and by that point it's like, oh, okay, cool, Catherine and Abigail. It's, it's a it's a it's a nice young romance. You yeah. know, it's very very touching. But she has a secret to reveal. She's Batman. No. Oh. Uh, and we, we don't like I. You can infer what's wrong mm -hmm. uh, by the clues, but you don't. The audience isn't told exactly why. Uh, what happens next happens, but mm -hmm. she reveals something to Kazran that makes him choose something bad. Yeah. He, he makes a choice at the end of the next Christmas Eve that surprises the doctor. There we go. Another day, another Christmas Eve. I'll see you in a minute, eh? I mean, a year. Uh, doctor? Listen, why don't we leave it? Sorry, leave what? Oh, you know, this. Every Christmas Eve is getting a bit old. Oh, well, Christmas is for kids, isn't it? I've got, I've got some work with my dad now. I'm going to focus on that. Get that cloud belt under control. Sorry, I, I, I didn't realize I was boring you. 
but not your fault. Times change. Not as much as I'd hoped. He took off his bow tie. <laughs> and that's uh, the end of the past segment. Uh, something that Abigail said to young Kazran made his, the choice, okay, we're done. This Christmas Eve tradition is over. Yeah, what, what was happening politically? <laughs> like she whispered some random British political thing in his ear. And she, oh, no, no, no. David, David Cameron cut cut tuition. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm for it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so that was the end of Christmases. And that's uh, a new reason why Kaz's heart is so cold. Yep. And so it, even though just like Scrooge, when you know, it goes to Christmas past, shows him the past, Scrooge is not moved. Mm-hmm. You know, so Kazran has not moved despite all these Christmases he spent with the doctor and Abigail. Right. Yes, what? Oh, Mr. President, we've been through this. It's not going to crash on my house, and what's it got to do with me? Yes, I know. 4,003. But as a very old friend of mine once took a very long time to explain, life isn't fair. That's what he learned through this whole period. Life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. The doctor was a different person. You just cut off his hand. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> the doctor's not that person, though. The master would do it. Uh, and this is the point where we get the Ghost of Christmas Present. And mm. the Ghost of Christmas Present is not played by the doctor. It's played by who? Karen Gillian. What's her name? Oh, uh, Amy Pond. It's played by Am- Amy Pond. Amy Pond's the, the companion. Yes. The doctor's companion. She's she's going to radio in from the ship because she's on the ship. Yeah. Her and her boyfriend or whatever. Are Excuse they, me. Is her husband? They're on their honeymoon. Their husband. <laughs> so a- Amy. I'm going to start introducing you as my boyfriend or whatever. <laughs> Amy, the doctor's companion, and her husband, Rory. Yes. They are on the ship that's going to crash. I feel like I should say she's married now, so she's technically Amy Williams because it's Roy Williams, but really he's Roy Pond. Continue. Ship crashing. They're on the ship that's going to crash, and they radio into old Kazran to basically play the ghost of Christmas present. Yeah. Who are you? What are you doing here? You didn't think this was over, did you? I'm the ghost of Christmas present. A ghost? Just like that? Eyes off the skirt. <laughs> you turn into a Roman. Yeah, yeah, I do that. I also do this. Do what? What are you talking about? So, what uh, is she talking about? You want to? You, you use this opportunity to talk about Amy and Rory because they have very little to do in this episode other than this one thing. Rory Williams is... The best companion ever written for Doctor Who, followed very closely by Donna. Um, Rory and Amy, I literally always start with this name. I love him. Um, are the companions for the Doctor. They have spent a uh, one season with him before this. Maybe two. Where are we? No, one season with him. Um, and... They got married at the end of last season. Were they were they dating before the doctor showed up? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yes, they were, and they were in love. <laughs> why why are they why is he dressed like a Roman? Is is that from a previous a episode? Victorian. Uh, yeah. See, I'm not going to explain. Yeah, anything don't don't you don't have to because uh, it's going to take forever. And also, I've already decided we're watching through these seasons. It's it's it just from a past adventure. It's yes. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, and I also, it's probably a little bit of a kink for them at this point. She's also dressed as a police officer with a very short skirt. Uh, there's a I forgot to mention this 
uh, when I talked about my history with Doctor Who, but there was a a night where I was doing homework, and I I think I was in college at this point. I had to have been either either a senior in high school or I was in college, and I was doing my homework, and I can I don't know what channel this was on, mm. and I don't know why I left it on, but I was doing my homework, and I I can only assume it was sci-fi. Like it was a sci-fi channel mm-hmm. and I had, a, I was watching something on the sci-fi channel and I had it on the background while I was doing my homework and the program I was watching ended and it jumped into a Doctor Who retrospective huh. and I was busy doing my homework. So I didn't like change the channel. Mm-hmm. I was just like half listening to this program about Doctor Who and half doing my homework. And the only thing I remember about that Doctor Who retrospective was the glowing praise that it, the interviewees had about the romance between Amy and Rory. Like the, the Rory, I remember Rory particularly because it was mentioned so often in that Doctor Who thing. You know, Doctor Who is such an interesting thing, at least with this, uh, the reboot, which I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Like it's always a female companion for the most part. Uh, and if they have a boyfriend, that boyfriend in the first episode that you see them is the wimpiest, most terrible Mickey. Mickey. So bad, so bad. Rory, so very, very bad. It just is. And when you get to the end, like that freaking flow chart, I don't know what to call it. You get to the end and you're like, that is character growth and development and beautiful and amazing. One, two, yes. Rory Wilson is top tier expectations of a man. I love you. You said you're uh... (laughs) a... Your friends refer to me as Rory. They do. They do refer to you as Rory. <laughs> when we were dating, or before we were dating, <laughs> they still refer to you as Rory. Oh. Which high praise. I know you're like, please don't call me that. I have a name. Like, legitimately, the highest praise that somebody could give to you, give to anyone who is seeking to be in a relationship with me. There you go. Uh, anyway, so they don't do much, but they do show Kazran the present, meaning. What's going on at the ship at the time? Right. Uh, just to say, hey, man, some people are dying on Christmas Eve. They're going to die, and they know they're going to die. Uh, and this is what they choose to do. How did I get here? You didn't. It's your turn to be the hologram. Since you're going to let a lot of people die tonight, I thought you might like to see where it's all going to happen. The sin? What is it? I don't understand. It's the doctor's idea. The harmonies resonate in the ice crystals. That's why the fish like it. He thought that maybe it would stabilize the ship, but it isn't working. It's not powerful enough. Why are they still singing, then? Because we haven't told them. Sir, I understand you have a machine that controls this cloud layer. If you can release us from it, we still have time to make a landing. Nobody has to die. Everybody has to die. Not tonight. Tonight's as good as any other night. Still a jerk. Yeah. But I, I thought that was like a nice little moment there where it's like, well, what are these people choosing to do in their last moments before they die? Sing Christmas carols. Yeah. That's 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 a very Christmas thing. Yeah. It's beautiful as well. Right. I like ugh, it's it's just it is a beautiful and really upsetting moment. <laughs> Reminds me of the Fraggle Rock Christmas special. Oh, dear. <laughs> where the, the Fraggles decide to sing to mm. the great bell before they die. Oh, gosh. Before they all freeze to death. Oh, gosh, stop. <laughs> um, yeah, so th- that's really it for the ghost of Christmas present. Mm-hmm. It's just like, hey, here's what's happening on the ship that's about to crash. Yeah. Uh, feel bad about it, old man. <laughs> and uh, he reveals the truth to Amy. 
This is what the doctor did to me. Abigail was ill when she went into the ice, on the point of death. I suppose the rest of the ice helped her. But she's used up her time. On those Christmas Eves with me. I could release her any time I want. And she would live a single day. So tell me, ghost of Christmas present, how do I choose which day? That's what she, she told him mm. in the past. She's like, I have one day to live. I don't know how she knew the exact amount of time. But there's a, there's, a, a, num counter, there's yeah. a number on her door that says how many days of life she has left. Yeah. Also, can I just say, family was like, we need, we need money. Well, I need one of your family members for debt. This one's dying soon anyway. That's why it's the, the <laughs> it's a lesser debt. It's a, a lesser loan because of life. Oh my gosh. It's horrible. Uh, yeah, so that's why he's still a bitter old man. It's because he can't spend because the rest the of his life. Because the one girl who kissed him cannot be alive no more. Yep, he cannot spend the rest of his life with the woman he loves. So he he's going to be a bitter old Scrooge. But he can spend the rest of her life. <laughs> uh, and now, finally, we are visited by the ghost of Christmas Future. Uh, who in the the book is the Grim Reaper, essentially. It's like, hey, here's where you're going to die, Scrooge. Yeah, <laughs> look at your headstone. Yep. Why are you here? Because I'm not finished with you yet. You've seen the past, present. And now you need to see the future. Fine, do it, show me. I'll die cold, alone, and afraid. Of course I will, we all do. What difference does showing me make? And here, I remember by this point, I was like into the episode. I'm like, all right, I understand what they're doing. It's, mm -hmm. it's Christmas Carol makes total sense. You know, and like they've, you know, in a very Doctor Who way, like they've, the Christmas past stuff was clever, right? You know, yeah. using sci-fi to retell Christmas Carol is clever, mm -hmm. you know, and then they did the present. I was like, that was a little clever. Um, and I was like, all right, what are they going to do for the, the, the future? And you think, okay, he's going to take him into the future and show him how he's going to die, you know? Just like in the book. But they do something even more clever. Yes. Do you know why I'm going to let those people die? Not a plan. I don't get anything from it. It's just that I don't care. I'm not like you. I don't even want to be like you. I don't and never ever will care. And I don't believe that. And show me the future. Prove me wrong. I am showing it to you. I'm showing it to you right now. So what do you think? Is this who you want to become, Kazran? What happens? He brings the boy back for some more trauma. Which which boy? The youngest boy, the young the not the like ten year old Kazran. He uh, puts him in his his bubble magoose and brings him to see how much like his father he turns out to be. And I was like, that's clever. Yeah. Stephen Moffat won with that one. That yeah. was a clever, clever twist. So the Ghost of Christmas Future doesn't show old Kazran his future. He shows young Kazran his future by showing him old Kazran. Yes. This old grumpy man. It's like, do you want to be this old grumpy man who hates Christmas and people? And wants to be nothing like me? Me, dude? I brought a shark in your room. <laughs> and like, you get a nice scene where like, Old Kazran's trying to tell young Kazran, like, defend himself, I guess, mm -hmm. or justify his decisions. And they have an argument. And old Kazran literally 
almost becomes his father, like in full form, by smacking his young self in the face. Yeah. And he starts to cry, and uh, that's what turns him. That's I mean, what that's what melts that old man's heart. My gosh, talk about continuing the cycle. <laughs> Yikes! Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt themselves. Ouch! <laughs> that was a little bit too deep. Moving on. I mean, honestly. Unless we want to show what happens at the very end of the episode, there's nothing to move on to. Oh, uh, no, we're not going Just to. like with Hey Arnold, we're not going to reveal the end. Correct. You should watch it for you yourself. Should. Because I do recommend, as much as I complained about certain aspects of Doctor Who, I do recommend this Christmas special. It's good. In the end. And it's like, I think honestly, like it benefited from a second viewing when I got the clips because I could understand what was happening at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I experienced whiplash the first time. Until yeah. I finally settled into the plot. Mm-hmm. But once I did, I thought it was a clever retelling of A Christmas Carol. I agree. And I'm so happy that you got there, even though you, you know, buried that lead. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> do you recommend A Christmas Carol from Absolutely. Doctor Who? Absolutely. So there you go. We got, you got two Christmas recommendations this year. Yeah. So, you know, if you need some Christmas viewing to get yourself in the season, watch these two things. Yeah. I don't think we have a winner, though. Uh, well, we'll talk about the winner in a second. Let's talk about the, what the world thought of right. A Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol was tied with the documentary Come Fly With Me as the second most watched program on Christmas Day in the United Kingdom behind only EastEnders. Oh, wow. With an average viewership of 10.3 million viewers peaking at 10.7 million. Dang. It was also the fourth highest rated episode of the entire show since it was revived in 2005. Sweet. Good job, Matt Smith. Yeah. A Christmas Carol is the first episode of Doctor Who that was broadcast the same day in the United Kingdom and in the United States on BBC America. We got it at the same time. We're all one family. You were watching it. I was. That means that you were one of the 772,000 viewers watching it on BBC America, which was an 8% increase on the previous holiday special. We are legion. Yeah. So I was like the, the Whovians in America were, were rising. Yeah. The episode received generally positive reviews with praise going to the storytelling, cast, and concepts. Agreed. The Guardian described the episode as a, quote, sumptuous triumph, and Den of Geek called it, quote, really quite mad, undoubtedly festive, and it treats the Dickens source material with respect. Nice. Though Zap to its reviewer said, quote, I enjoyed A Christmas Carol more than I have almost any other special that has aired since the series restarted in 2005, he thought that, quote, some parts were absolutely silly, and others were absolutely incoherent due to the frantic pace, mm. which is what my issue was. Yeah. The first half went way too quickly. I mm. think that, that that's a good way of saying it. The pace was too frantic and the doctor was too eccentric to ground me at I was first. really excited about Christmas. The Daily Telegraph, meanwhile, said the episode, quote, started nicely, but that, quote, by the time she was singing to the shark, I'd had enough. <laughs> the shark singing was the best part. The AV Club named it the best Doctor Who Christmas special, and MTV called it, quote, easily one of the best episodes of the series' modern era, populated with just the right amount of humor, drama, scares, and sentimental reverence for the classic story that inspired its narrative. Hmm. A Christmas Carol was nominated for the 2011 Hugo Award for Dramatic Presentation Short Form, but lost to the preceding Doctor Who series finale, the Pandorica Opens slash The Big Bang. The Pandorica opens slash the Big Bang. So yeah. that won the award over the Christmas Carol. I mean, ugh, it was good. <laughs> and what of the legacy of Doctor Who's A Christmas Carol? The episode was released on DVD and Blu-ray in 2011, containing an associated 
Doctor Who confidential documentary for the episode, as well as a cut down version of the 2010 Doctor Who prom. Never seen it. I want it now. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, so the doctor, the prom, uh, a, a prom, the prom, the BBC proms are a summer season of daily orchestral classical music concerts. Oh. And in 2008 and 2010, there were Doctor Who proms. Okay. So it was like a musical orchestral performance of Doctor Who, Who, Who music, I, oh. I presume. We went to one of those for Zelda. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that was that was a concert, but I guess this is like an annual thing in the UK oh, where they have the proms. Got there it. There was a Doctor Who prom in 2010, cool. and so they filmed it. Doctor Who has continued to run over the past 10 years, having just wrapped up its 13th series uh, last year with a series of uh, holiday specials running through 2022. Hmm. Matt Smith's final regular appearance of the Doctor was actually the 2013 Christmas special, The Time of the Doctor. Yep. Is that a good one? You know, none of the regeneration episodes are good. <laughs> not because they're not good. It's just they're always sad. Bittersweet? Yeah. Since then, we've had two more doctors. Yeah. With a th Is there a third one on the way? Is that yes. Yeah. Sounds like we're having a baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, we have an old doctor, lady doctor, and then new doctor. Yes, which I was talking to. Latest doctor. I was talking to F.A., and apparently it was supposed to be a black man, but also openly gay. Like the actor is openly gay. So wondering if we were going to have a black gay doctor, but then there are things of saying David Tennant is returning to a his role. And F.A. was like, I love David Tennant. You know, I love David Tennant. But if we miss out on this man, I am going to rage. And I'm like, fair. But I haven't watched Doctor Who since Peter Catapaldi left. Peter C. I haven't watched Doctor Who since Peter C. left. Um, so I am very far behind. Yeah, David Tennant is the 14th Doctor again. You're right. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like looking at it right now. No offense, uh, David. I know that I just spent. Is like, he the first Doctor to come back as a as a new new Doctor? I have no idea. Gonna Google it. Look, Mr. Tennant. I want you to know. I know I spent a good amount of time ranting about how you were my least favorite Doctor until the end of your run, but I really do truly appreciate your term as Doctor and your acting. Per Press, whatever you say, however you pronounce that word. But I loved it when you came back for the 50th anniversary special. But please know. I'm like looking it up. So David Tennant is set to like be the, the 14th doctor in November 2023 with the anniversary special. 60th anniversary special. Okay, so maybe another so, cameo. Yeah, yes, and then the 15th doctor, who is the black man, is set to air during the festive period of 2023. So look forward to that next Christmas. We'll have a new, new doctor. Sweet. Right after the old, old new doctor. Sweet. New, I, old doctor. I love having a man who researches when I say a thing. <laughs> so there we go. We got two new doctors on the way. And one's an old new doctor. Yes. Now it just That's like different than twins. the new old doctor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so confused. Oh, <laughs> uh, Twice Upon a Time, the 2017 Doctor Who Christmas special was Moffat's last episode as lead writer and showrunner. Mm-hmm. And beginning with the 13th Doctor in 2019, the annual Christmas special tradition was replaced with a New Year's Day special. Mm. And that's kind of been thrown out the window. Now we just get holiday specials. Like Doctor Who, like right now, there are no regular episodes. It's just holiday specials. So, oh. Or like specials. So, huh. yeah. And it sounds like uh, the, new, the new Doctor handoff might happen during a Christmas special or some kind of festive show. So 
Look out for that in 2023. I will not. <laughs> that's Doctor Who. Yeah. That, 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 base, that was the Doctor Who episode we all wanted, you know? Yeah. It was yeah. great. It, was, it makes me feel very Christmassy. Yeah. So who who had the better Christmas special, you think? I did. I think Hey Arnold was because you know, it, was, it was more compact. It was more precise, you know? And like, it's, they're both like important and they're both good. So I honestly, I said I do, but I honestly think there isn't necessarily a winner here. Like, I mean, I guess Ty is an option, but I'm just like, they're both very different Christmas tellings, right? One is a retelling of something with dressing that is very interesting. Another one is um, still is, is about something completely different, you know, which I know I've definitely have heard some kids be like, why are you versing? These are two very different things. And these are more similar than some of the stuff we talk about. But I'm just I, like, I think Mr. Wynn's story is more impactful to me than Kazran Sardik. Mm, I think uh, 40, I think 4,000 people almost died. That's more impactful to me. <laughs> if you go look at the Vietnam War, I'm sure more than that. Touche. Touche. So anyway, is that, is, that a, is that a tie then? Yes. All right. So yeah, watch both. They're yeah. both good. Yeah, I agree. We have runners up. No. Like, are there other Christmas specials that you enjoy? Not as much as Doctor Who, but you still enjoy the good Christmas specials? Hallmark movies. <laughs> you mentioned that one <laughs> Christmas ghost or whatever uh Christmas spirits uh again okay, kids don't look it up it's not good it's that sweet spot of terrible terrible not good movie that I like um I don't know no I don't think so I can't think of anything on the top of my head I, I feel like, like I like Disney's Christmas Carol with Scrooge McDuck mm, you would that's a good one <laughs> yeah I don't have um I can't think of anything oh you know it's a good one is freaking community like Community, oh. commu- uh, 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 Abed's Christmas. Yeah, where they're all claymation. claymation. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. That's true. Maybe we should have talked about that one instead. That, that I mean, we you know we talked we talked community with Halloween. That's but, true. Yeah, but still, that, that they have a great holiday special as well. They do. Maybe next year. Just kidding. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, we can go out some with some plugs. Oh yeah. So if you like Media Made. And you want to support us, you can go and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, you can leave us a review. You can leave us five stars. You can buy us a coffee on coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com slash media made. And you can give us five dollars and you can, you know, show show your support yeah. financially <laughs> during these Christmas times. Oh yeah. You can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Media Made Show, where we will share polls. And pictures and clips and other fun things. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Rod the Master. Uh, if Twitter exists, honestly, <laughs> like we'll see, we'll see where that goes. But uh, yeah, for now, Rod the Master on Twitter. I also host a wrestling show on YouTube called Keep Kayfabe. That's K A Y F A B E. And I write for a video game website called ZeldaDungeon.net. If you're looking for me, you can find me on YouTube at Taming Tales. Um, I used to write stories i'll do that eventually but i've been vlogging recently i made cookies three times this month this month being november um and i will i i put up a, a cookie recipe so if you have had my cookies and would like to know how to make my cookies there it is sounds good <laughs> and uh finish to finish this episode off we're gonna go out with as jess mentioned the song that was written specifically for a christmas carol from doctor who it is called abigail's song Parentheses, silence is all you know. Yeah, it's a good song. It is a song specifically ri- written for 
Catherine Jenkins, the woman who played Abigail. She's a <laughs> she she's a singer. She was cast as a singer. She's mm-hmm. like an operatic singer, mm-hmm. like legitimately, like she's classically trained. She could sing singer, you know. <laughs> Classic trained singer singer. Uh-huh. And and uh they cast her for her singing ability, unaware that she had no acting experience. <laughs> they she just, did fine. They just assumed, and she did do fine. Uh, but they, this is her song. In the script, it was written that the song was unique and specific to Doctor Who. So composer Murray Gold wrote the song with that in mind. So Christmas song, Christmas carol, but Doctor Who. <laughs> you know, so that's what we got. So we're going to go out with Abigail's song. And uh, we'll see you all in the new year with our movies of 2002. Silence is all. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals.